0: back on. Good
1: afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of Sports Reports as Ordered. As always, I am your co-host, Mike Wilson, a.k.a. 2-5, because I only agree with about 25% of y'all anyway. And then I got my guy over here, Raphael Rutley. What's happening, bro? Man,
0: I'm just chilling, just uh, life out here in Jersey, you know what I mean? Just showing off yeah see you know i like that old school going on right brooklyn, there brooklyn you know but know, yeah. been in jersey for like eight years now so i figured I i'd start go ahead and you know represent alongside with him
1: and you know what i'm
0: sorry new jersey you know all i've been reading on
1: twitter today is about how we need saint john's to be good again we need saint john's we need new york city where's hofstra where's manhattan Rutgers is doing good this year. Give Rutgers some love, you know, like stop it.
0: Shout out to Brunswick.
1: That's right. So, hey, we're here. We got topics for you. We got some content. We're going to get it going. So we're going to start off with Coach Prom, a.k.a. Deion Sanders, for those that are uninitiated, We're going to talk about expectations for year one, d- dive into some expectations going forward, what we think year one looks like going forward and then we're going to talk about previews we got the previews today starts the divisional round of the nfl playoffs i hear that this is the best weekend of the year when it comes to football but i don't know you know i'm a little partial to rivalry weekend in college football but it is what it is so we're gonna see if anybody's gonna pick an upset if anybody's gonna go all chalk going all chalk is boring but we'll see what happens And we're going to transition from there to talk about Justin Fields and what the Bears should do with him. Should they trade the number one draft pick to try to get more picks to get him some help? Should they trade him? What, what, What does the future look like in Chicago? We're going to talk about coaching vacancies. You know, there still hasn't been any jobs still just yet. Apparently, the Colts are trying to interview as many candidates as there are teams in the NFL. I don't know where they're going with that. And then the last thing is get it off your chest. So, Raph, you know, what does this weekend look like? What's going on in the world?
0: I know we're talking a lot of sports. I mean, we're in the middle of a a lot of quality sports seasons. You have the, obviously, NFL playoffs going on right now. You have the hype of the NFL draft coming up in a couple of months. We're going to talk about that forever. Salt Lake City is going to be all-star game here in about a month. Uh, you know, you got the Lakers last night, you know, with the steal, the half-court, the layup by Schroeder. You know, you got, you, got a lot, you got a lot going on. You got Sacramento, best record in California. You got young quarterbacks, old quarterbacks, old coaches, inexperienced coaches, bad GMs, good GMs. It's just... I mean, there's so much to talk about with sports. I'm just glad we have this platform. So we can talk about what we want to talk about. Because if you look at some of these channels, man, they only talk about the same six topics every single day, all week long. So give us an opportunity to speak our minds about some different things that we feel passionate about. So let's get right into it. Deion Sanders, my favorite player. I'm the reason I'm reason Atlanta Falcons fan, I was probably 10. My dad was in Germany 9 to 10. And we had one channel called AFN Armed Forces Network. Shout out to all the dependent kids and the veterans You know about AFN. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Early AFN was one channel. We was getting CNN headline news every two hours. You was getting a Nickelodeon show and then you'll get some sports. Every once in a while maybe some soap operas or something like that, but you had one channel. That was it.
2: <laughs> so uh,
0: That one channel one night, I saw this guy come out the tunnel with with the the smoke and the 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 fire, so whatever, all the stuff come out, he's doing his little dance. I'm like, who is this dude wearing 21? And like, why can I not take my eyes off the TV? I'm like, you know what? I like this. I like this guy. I like this team, and I've been rocking with him ever since. Through the heartbreak, ups and downs. Dion, icon, Hall of Famer. Literally said in the few last days, like too many guys getting in the Hall of Fame. Like if that guy in the Hall of Fame, I need my own hall in the Hall of Fame. I mean, this kind of guy you're dealing with in Colorado. I mean, we all probably seen, I'm going to say all, because it's been, we saw his opening meeting with the players.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Some people took it as a slight, but I'd rather you be straight up with me. Like everyone says, keep it 100 with me, keep it 100, keep it 100. You know, they only put the R anymore, just keep it 100. Mm-hmm. He did. He said, I'm bringing my legs with me, and it's Louie. If you know you're a coach bag, Go ahead and get in the, hop in that transfer portal. Because they went 1-11. You as a player should want to work that hard and only win one game. I get it. Sometimes it just doesn't work out in your favor. You don't have the talent, whatever the case may be. But you got you to gotta do better than 1-11. And then you you don't really have any leverage when a new coach comes in. He's like, listen, y'all go and get in the transfer portal. We're going to say, well, I was good on the 1-11 team. I was one of the best. You so, you're one of the best out of the team that won one game? I mean, like, what can you really say? So, he did put, I want to say he put a target on his back. I think that's just an overused cliche. I do think that he put himself in a position where he might be able to resurrect a college football program in this day and age with the amount of recruiting, and the amount of money that comes around. If he can turn it around in Colorado, I don't see him being there very long. But if he can turn around in Colorado, I mean, that, that'd that be one of the greatest greatest coaching that we've seen in the 21st century, for sure. That'd be great in the championship runs to turn around a program that's consistently that bad. The middle of the country is not a good, it's not a prime location for football. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. good high school Colorado football. But, there's not that many people in the state of Colorado. We've been out there. You've been stationed in Wyoming. We were stationed together in Utah. We spent six weeks in, in Colorado. It was no traffic because not that many people. Yeah, and I was stationed in Colorado Springs, so very familiar. Yeah, so um, the only reason we had traffic because it was a flood and we had to turn back around even then. <laughs> we went back and forth multiple times. It wasn't even like you were stuck in bumper-to-bumper traffic. We got out, turned back around, went the other way, went north, came across a different direction. So, it's not that many people in Colorado. So it's, you don't really have that many players. So, even if you get all – you have to get all the best players from Colorado to really have a, a great program. But he's getting best players from Florida. He's getting best players from Mississippi. He's getting players from Georgia, Texas, best players from California. So, I mean, it's exciting to see what he does. I mean, we look at the schedule as it's laid out right now. They're opening TCU in Fort Worth. That's going to be a tough game. I don't know how many guys are coming back from TCU.
1: Well, what I do know is that Max Duggan isn't coming back, and I know that Quentin Johnson isn't coming back. So maybe breaking in some new players, you know, maybe that gives CU a chance. I don't know if I see
0: it, but, you know. I imagine that, I mean, pardon the punter to be in prime time. I can see that being the, is that Saturday night? I can see that being an ABC, ESPN Saturday Night game, seven thirty. All eyes on Colorado. TCU. Granted, they just you know suffered a defeat in the college football playoff championship, but I can see that being a prime time game. You know, they mm-hmm. call it prime time for a reason. So I can see that him really. I can see them pulling that one off.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, because he he's coached his son through high school. He's coached his son through college, ups and downs. They didn't win every game in Jackson State. And, you know, last year, this last season, they lost uh, the last game. So they went 11-1. and won. So I think that experience, being able to coach your son and your son performs. Because sometimes you could be your, your son's coach and it doesn't translate. You know, it might be a situation where you're putting him in the starting position just because he's your son. Well, he has a, a few years. State championship runs in Texas. Just, just good quality football that he can lean on. So he's like, hey, I'm starting. I'm starting. You know, I'm son. I'm bringing him with me. I'm bringing my luggage. Louis, you know that he's not just bringing his 18 year old son who's never played a college football game before. So I think people can galvanize around that. Like, okay, he's not just putting to on a back burner because he wants to bring his own players and it's like his players have had success and he had success. Considering he's a Hall a of Famer, couple Super Bowls.
1: But let's put the brakes on the Shadur Heisman watch. You know, I hey, I still want to come to the cookout, y'all. Like, don't don't kick me out. But let's put a break on the Heisman talk. Let's put a break on the All America talk that I've been hearing, seeing on Twitter, and all this kind of stuff. Because you know, I'm on Twitter now, uh, two bit reports. You know, but but seriously though, you know, I just feel that we have a certain expectation, but we have to remember: not only did they come from FCS. They came from, like, a bottom three conference within FCS. So, you know, it's not as if they were playing against the best of the best. No disrespect, and I ain't trying to go there, people. I'm just saying. I'm just trying to give you all the truth. I'm sorry. They didn't,
2: play
0: against, five, y'all.
1: They, they, they didn't play against the best of the best. They absolutely did not. They played against, oh, wait for it, um, Bethune-Cookman. You know, let's not get into them right now. So So, you know, I want – Dion to secede I want Shadour to secede I don't know if I want Travis Hunter to secede because I'm a Florida State fan but you know but seriously I do want him to secede but but the point being is that we got to see these guys against FBS competition first of all and not just FBS competition because there were rumors that he was going to end up at USF down in Tampa you know so if he was playing against Tulsa if he was playing against Navy you know maybe that's a smoother transition but he's going to be playing against the Heisman Trophy winner, the current Heisman Trophy winner, Caleb Williams. He's going to be playing against Oregon and Phil Knight and the Nike money and all that good stuff. And I did live in Colorado. I say my heart that Colorado and Nebraska are playing each other again, but they're breaking in a coach who is known to turn things around. So, you know, let's just slow down just a little bit, you know. So I don't know how the TCU game is going to go as of today. I'm going to pick TCU. We'll see what happens once we get through spring camp. You know, all that kind of stuff as we get closer to the season. But here on January 21st, year of our Lord, 2023, I am picking
2: TCU to win that first game. So we got Nebraska. Toss-up.
0: Nebraska, like how, Like what, what did Frost do there? like how how was that was a
1: proud that
0: was a proud program
1: well in my estimation in my estimation Nebraska is what you described about Colorado but times five you know there's nobody in Nebraska (laughs) um there's there's no big recruits that you know ever come out of there so they when they were in the Big 12 this was easy you just go down to Texas you know, you get some recruits that didn't go to Texas or OU. You were next in line. Were they going to go to Oklahoma State over Nebraska? Were they going to go to Texas Tech over Nebraska? Not with Nebraska's history. But now I put you in the Big Ten, you lose that Texas pipeline. So now you got to compete with Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. In your own division, you have Wisconsin. So, you know, it's just different because of the access. Like, I'm sure they still get Texas recruits, but they're not just
0: picking them off. Ten have got them a little bit of that Big Ten money. They still should have been able to bring in top recruits. But, but, but I mean, nil, but
1: nil is still new. You know, nil is only a couple of years, the, years old.
0: The recruiting money, the 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 capability of sending out multiple recruits. I mean, recruiters, scouts. Like, hey, I can send I can send two guys to scout in Texas, and they can go together. Hotels, rental cars, airline tickets. I can send two guys Ohio, I can send four guys Michigan. You know, I think that's, I think a lot of the money, I think we all look at the money like, oh, the money that the players get, it's the support money. Because if you think about it, if you had access to a school like Alabama, they could probably recruit 18 kids from a certain playing bracket in Georgia. They can go up there and they can have them all on a bus, nice charter bus taking them from one event to the next event to the next event all paid for by Alabama like you take them to a game you take them to some kind of function where they get to meet you know meet some former players they get to go maybe to a nice dinner you get them you know have them wear a nice suit or whatever the case may be maybe I don't know what the, the money how it looks can you buy them a suit while you're recruiting them can you say hey this is part of the recruiting process I'm not sure. I'm not really abreast of that information but I think Having access to be able to do that, like to be able to send a guy on the road for two weeks and have him in a nice hotel to where he can have meetings. He can book a meeting room and the recruits can come to like a nice ballroom meeting room, meet a couple of players, meet the strength and conditioning coach because you have the money to send multiple coaches and players on the road. Mm -hmm. I think that's a big recruiting trick. And I know they have all these other little nefarious recruiting tricks, but I think this is stuff that you can put on the books. I think that's where a lot of that money would go. Sometimes people might take that money and just say, you know what? We're going to just use it to try to buy players. But I think if you used it wisely, you'd be able to do it.
1: Well, you know, needless to say, the world has changed. You know, when I was a little kid, you know, every week, all I saw was Notre Dame. You know, there was maybe an SEC game mixed in there. There was the Miami Hurricanes because they were winning at the time. And there was Nebraska. And there was Nebraska, but nowadays everybody's on TV. Rice is on TV, you know, the food is on TV. So, you know, you got ESPNU, you got ESPN2, so on and so forth. The world has changed. So, like for me personally, if I'm sitting there trying to decide what school I want to go to, as somebody comes in and they go, Hey, what schools have been recruiting you? And I'm like, Hey, I'm down to my final three. I got Nebraska, I got Illinois. And I got Northwestern or whatever, just three random Big Ten West schools. So I'm looking at this and I go, okay, Northwestern is more of an academic institution. So I can't expect that they're going to become a football factory or be a football factory. So I might slide them out unless I am an academic kid that wants to go do something later in life one day. So it comes down to Illinois and Nebraska. Now I got to make a decision do I want to live in Illinois or do I want to live in Nebraska? Nebraska? You know what I mean? I'm choosing Illinois every single time. You know, and and, and Champagne is not Chicago. About
0: Colorado, like how is how is Dion gonna get these guys from Miami to one live in Colorado? Like I said, you and I live that west. Hey people, I'm about to tell you something. Colorado, Utah, Wyoming, Idaho. These places are gorgeous. It's like living in a postcard. So right. you can sell people in the environment. The space, it's clean. The people are very nice. You have, you just have, and, it, and it's different. So I think the fact is very nice and different as a recruiter that Dion is like, listen, man, I, you he, he can tell the guys, I grew up in Florida. I went to Atlanta for my first team. I was playing here, I was playing here. I got to see this. I got to see that. You're about to get that right now at 18, 19 years old. And then you take him there. Like, like if you, if you were to literally look at, Fly into Colorado, fly into Utah, fly some of these places and just look around. It's like, this is a nice place, very spacious, very clean. It's not congested at all. Anywhere you go, like, I was in Utah eight years. I think I was in traffic three times. And one time because it was snowing while people were trying to get to work. Five lane interstates. You know, like I said, the people are very nice. You have a lot of big chains that come. Like some of the restaurants you get because they have so much space. Man, yeah, Applebee's are so big, Applebee's be like a whole corner block. <laughs> so much space. You know, you take up golf, then you have the winter sports, hiking, like it's just so much you can sell a player on, even though like, hey, I'm from Miami, I'm used to this. But you're not you're not gonna lose out on like just a great environment if you go there. And if you're a recruiter like Dion, I think you can you can easily sell someone on that. Well, I think that's what it is, is that
1: one, he gonna say, Hey, come look in my closet look at this gold jacket. Hey, look at my hand, you know, saying I got all my fingers. Look at my, look at my fingers, you know, like he has that to rest upon. Whereas in Nebraska, Matt rule has, Hey, I turned around temple. Like, Hey, Hey, uh, I came in Baylor after the scandal and I cleaned it up. And then I got fired by the Carolina Panthers, you know? Mm So like, so he has that cachet, and he also with his, uh, with the meetings that he did with the players that you talked about earlier, he's embracing the new age where, you know, he has this team following him, recording all his things. And it's like living a reality show basically. And I think that attracts kids as well. And Oh, by the way, he's arguably the best player at his position in NFL history. So he has a lot going for him that these other coaches don't have like Scott Frost was, I thought Scott Frost was a decent coach. His teams just couldn't finish the game, but they still didn't have top-end talent to where I was supposed to turn on the TV and say, Nebraska's down by three to Ohio State with 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter? So for the fact that he even had that going on, and by the way, the dude is a national champion at UCF, you know, undefeated season, hashtag UCFacts. You know, it is what it is. It is what it is,
0: but, you know. That's an example in my eyes of that, he was just in a hotbed of talent in Florida and was able to just get better players simply because every school in Florida is packed with four- and five-star talent. So if you have 100 players in Florida that are three stars, and then you Mm -hmm. have 50 that are four- and five-stars... And all of these four and five stars go take up all the positions at Florida, Florida State, and Miami. And UCF is like, listen, we'll take thirty of you three stars. And the talent, the star rating, is based on what somebody else who writes a report thinks. Right, right. You know, your numbers can be. You know, you can be a running back. You can have nine hundred yards rushing, eight touchdowns, and they'll call you a three star. And another kid have 1,100 yards, 12 touchdowns. I call him a four or five star. Everyone's jumping out the window to get to him. You're like, listen, I'm only a couple hundred yards behind him. And I played nine games. He played 12.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: They, they don't look at that. It's like, oh, he's a four star. He went to this school. This school is uh, state powerhouse. I went to a school that isn't one but still put up numbers. And then you get all of those guys at UCF. And then you put them on the field together. And it's like, oh. With these, like, this Captain Planet kind of style, like, all these three-stars, <laughs> we are a powerhouse versus school, like, you know, look how many guys out of Alabama, four and five stars, transfer out. How many guys out of LSU, how many guys out of Texas, and they're transferring out four and five-star guys? Because they go there, and it's like, oh, was four dudes in my position. Mm-hmm. We play corner, like, I came here to be a running back. Well, we got six running backs, four of them are five stars. Um, so, can so, like, you- I'm like, i a blank corner. And they end up transferring out. What do you said? Guys show up three stars. I'm like, oh, yeah, we can, we can make this work. Well, you know who does not have that problem? The Colorado State
1: Rams. So I'm putting that one in the W column for Colorado. You uh, know, um, And I know you Colorado Buffalo fans out there want to get rid of this rivalry because you feel it does nothing for you. Keep that game at mile high or whatever they're calling it now. Last time I checked, I think it was sports authority field. But it's mile high, damn it. My, you know, um, then you got at Oregon. So this is the game where the adversity comes in, I think, because this has the potential to get out of hand. Like this, Bo Nix is back. You know, this has the potential to be a 45 to 10, you know, a 51 to 17 type game. So this is the game where, they they get their heads blasted, and now we see how Dion reacts. We see how the team reacts. Can he regalvanize?
0: So you've after got all the hype? Two and two after Oregon is what you're saying. Yes,
1: I have them two and two after Oregon because I gave them the Nebraska win simply because it's a home game. I think they're evenly matched. New coaches. I'm, I just went with the home team. So two and two. They could still be three and one because, like I said, TCU is going to be breaking in a new quarterback. But
0: I'm gonna stick with two and two for now. so I got him three and one. I think the Oregon, I think in college basketball, excuse me, college football, if your quarterback is seasoned, Mm -hmm. it's just such an advantage. Well, Bo Nix is with 21, probably 22 by the time this game is played. Mm -hmm. Transferred, he's played tough competition in the SEC, transferred up to Oregon and played in tough competition in the Pac-12. I think that... Quarterback head-to-head matchup. He's dealt with adversity. Shadi Sanders has been, you know, he's dealt with stuff, but I don't think he's dealt with it on that level to where he had to, like, pack his own bags and mm-hmm. then move and make his own way. So I think having that advantage at quarterback, it's ultimately, like, that advantage at quarterback almost had Ohio State in the national championship game.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Mister kick. But the reason that they got it that far is because she CJ Stroud was a man amongst boys. So I right. think that quarterback is going to hurt them against Oregon and USC. Yeah, I was going to
1: say, they're going to make prime time earn it because yeah. right I after
0: that Oregon game... The USC game, just because, I mean... Yes. USC is... They're 42 points waiting to happen. Yeah.
1: And oh, by the way, they just grabbed another 1,000-yard receiver, you know, this time from Arizona. So... This transfer portal has been very good to Lincoln Riley. If he ever, and I mean Chris Jericho, ever decides to care about defense at all, you know USC is going to be back. But it's he some
0: doesn't, like the linebackers get in the transfer portal too. I know, but he got to grab them. He got to grab them. I'm been dropping the transfer portal, grab a couple of them. Like, yeah, it's like it's is that he just I think what he wants. This is what I think Lincoln Riley likes. I think he likes almost winning it
2: <laughs>
0: because then the next year is, oh, he brought in another guy from the transfer portal and I'll go 10 and two again. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, oh, we almost had it. 11 and two. Oh, we almost had it. Oh, we were yeah. almost. And then every year that USC endowment money is going to be able to keep replenishing that team they're going to sell out they're going to be on TV what are they going to the Big 12 or something Big 10 Big 10 mm-hmm. they're going to get that money they're going to play off oh, can you imagine the USC Michigan game somewhere probably in Dallas or USC Ohio State game in the Superdome in Atlanta some crazy or in Indianapolis and Yeah I
1: was going to say side note can I get some of these neutral site games not in sec territory
0: can i get some of that no No, you can't (laughs) i can't get that i can't get a game at sofi you gotta sell it out (laughs) i mean we're gonna get to the nfl playoffs but why do you think the preview the 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 neutral site location for kansas city versus or i'm saying kansas city you know the afc championship game neutral site is way down south
2: they you see that, in-
0: y'all? He, you see that, y'all? This is what Joe Mixon was talking about. This is what he was talking about. Yeah, 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 he'll see. But they could have done it in Arizona. Arizona, not in the playoffs. That's yeah. Cool. Definitely. And it's warmer. But you can't sell it out. Mm-hmm. You, can fill, you, can fill a st- you can fill a stadium down south with football fans. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. If, yeah. Fans, if it's Kansas City versus Buffalo, Kansas City, Cincinnati, whatever, however the, the the however it plays out to where. So, so if this happens, if this happens next week, Atlanta gonna sell that thing out. No, people are close enough to get to Atlanta. That's what I mean. Like people from these all these other places down south to get there. Right, right. So there'll be extra fans in there. They might have to drop the price of the tickets because I don't know a a bunch of non-AFC fans spending, you know, their kids' college tuition on playoff tickets for a team. That isn't exactly. even in their region Which right. that was, right, you're not even in the right region i
1: know that's where that's where i said hey you know you mentioned indianapolis you know indianapolis is like perfectly perfectly centrally located so obviously there was probably some scheduling conflicts that were not pretty too so I, i'm not going to beat the nfl ups too bad for that i was mad originally but i'm just mad at the neutral site forget all the rest of the stuff i don't care where yeah.
0: it's at I'm, I'm just mad about the neutral, neutral site. site. But then Colorado's schedule. Football's the neutral They mastered the neutral site. Mm-hmm. But then college football is willing to lower the prices of those tickets
2: mm-hmm. to
0: ensure that every seat is full. Right. right. I don't know if the NFL operates that same way. So if you look at it, so you got, like I said, we got Deion three. I got him three and two. You got him
1: two and three. Two and three. And then the schedule gets a little. Yeah, yeah, because I got them using the I got them, losing TCO, I got them using, TCU I keep saying, using, got them losing to Oregon, and I got them losing to USC. So, so those are my three so far. But then it gets a little bit better because for some reason they get the two new coaches back to back. So they get Arizona State now coached by Ken Dillingham, who was the offensive coordinator at Oregon. He left to take that job, and we don't know what kind of sanctions. Arizona State is gonna
0: face in the next couple of years, but lose every game just for the way they treated Herm Edwards.
1: I can get on board with that. I can get on board with that. But with that being said, so, I'm gonna give Colorado this W. I'm gonna give Colorado the W there, and I'm also gonna give them the W the following week against Mister Troy Taylor and the Stanford Cardinal because Andrew Luck and Christian
0: McCaffrey are not walking through that door. Well, you're not gonna get John John away off the bench. Hands hey, on the field. If, hey, the field. if I could, I would. If I
1: could, I would. You know, so so I guess that brings me to four and three right there.
0: Four and three. To me, I got him five and two. UCLA. Chip Kelly.
1: Now that matchup, I'm interested in. You know, just to see his At, offense. Yeah. Yeah. Like I want to see. I want to see Prime's defense. You know, um, his defensive thoughts and you know ability against. Chip Kelly in action. UCLA is going to be breaking in a new quarterback because DCR finally graduated after his 18th year there. So like the quarterback Van Wilder. That yes. Was- <laughs> yeah, so, so UCLA is going to be breaking in somebody new. You know, uh, that's going to be a tough game, you know, for Colorado going to the Rose Bowl. Luckily for them, fans don't go to the Rose Bowl unless it's the actual
0: Rose Bowl game. And it's not big. I've, I've been there. I went there for like a fireworks show, like ten, twelve years ago. It's not a big stadium, so it doesn't really present like a home field advantage for UCLA.
1: Well, I just feel looks, that with UCLA it looks
0: like breaking big high school stadium. Well, so I just
1: feel that with UCLA um, breaking in a new quarterback, a road game might be a little tougher because you know UCLA's not really. They're going to play some cupcakes along the way, you know. So like. If it, if the game was in Boulder, you know, they're on the road. So I feel a little bit better about that. But, you know, you know, it's UCLA. But then on November 4th in Boulder, finally back to Boulder, Colorado gets to play against the Oregon State Beavers, who came out of nowhere last season to win 10 games and they went and got DJ Alphabet. So. Oregon State, Jonathan Smith is a great coach. You never heard of him, you don't care about him because he's got that plain name
0: and he coaches in a city called Corvallis. Corvallis. Yeah. That's what they put on like you when you're kidnapped and they don't know who you are. <laughs> he's the that's, he's the real John Doe. <laughs> that's more John Smith, that's more important. Yes. Like if somebody yes. if you met someone and told them your name was John Smith, they would think you were lying to him. Yeah you know, but they got DJ alphabet in
1: adding him to a 10 win team. And I have always told Oregon fans that the worst thing for them is if Oregon state ever gets a quarterback. Cause you know, they don't tend to do that. I'm uh, not saying that DJ is the answer. Not saying that, Oh my goodness, they got themselves an NFL style quarterback and they're going to just run through the pac 12. I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is at his best, he's better than anything that's come through there since say the 2002 fiesta bowl
0: it's been a while and like i said that's that's your advantage and he's and he's so big it's just, just if he didn't have a solid arm then someone would be like hey son you know being a defenseman is not that bad like he's you know he's a couple of Couple of protein powder packs away from
2: playing
0: you know, <laughs> at a different position. So I think I think that's a good move. Um, like I said, a seasoned quarterback, been through some things, learned the learned the programs from Clemson, can bring some of that intensity there, what it's like to be in a winning culture, what it feels like to have expectations point You went to St. John Bosco uh, in California. I remember watching a documentary on him. It was like between him and another quarterback they ended up going to Iowa State, and then the same quarterback show, had like Spencer Rattler and guys like that on it. So, you know, you just – when you're in that spotlight for that long and then having to pack your bags and move cross-country to another program, I think it can make or break you. But for someone, I, th- I think his talent will help them, you know, get some victory. So that's going to be tough. Mm-hmm. Arizona Wildcats, I, I never – I'm not sure how consistent they are. They tend to not get the best quarterbacks. Out mm-hmm. of they, they don't stay home. They end up going to, like, Texas or Oklahoma, so they always miss out on talent, so I'm not sure what their program looks like. It, it must look and or operate like a JV kind of program because Arizona has good football players. They end up mm-hmm. going east to Oklahoma, mm-hmm. Texas, or west of California. Not many get sprinkled up north to, to Utah. I don't think they can handle the cold, but a lot of them a lot of them leave. So I think well, that, well, you know, Arizona I, think, I
1: right, think your I'll JB go. comment. I think your JB comment is perfect because the worst thing that ever happened to the University of Arizona was having a school in Phoenix, having a school in Tempe. You know, because you know why you know why? I lived in Tucson and I'm not knocking Tucson, it is a good city. I didn't say it was a great city, I said it was a good city, but it does not offer what Phoenix does. It does not, like mostly when I think about Arizona State, and I ain't trying to be the creepy old guy, but I always hear about the women at Arizona State, and you know, living down there living down there in Tucson, I can tell you, they don't have a lot of that, you know? So with that being said, I love Jed Fish, what he's doing at Arizona, the improvement last year from the prior year was just off the charts. They almost made a bowl game. You know, they came together as a team, but I think Colorado wins this game. I I don't think they have anything to fear, you know? So I have them, we didn't mention it, but I have them losing to Oregon state, you know? Uh, But yeah, I got them beating Arizona and then it gets tough again, because now you go up to Pullman, you know, which, you know, nobody wants to go to Pullman people that live in Pullman, Want to live there, but nobody wants to go there. Out right. on the, I think I'm saying this right. I know my supervisor at work gonna correct me if I say this wrong. But out on the Palouse, out on the Palouse in that little Washington, the Palouse over there in in that or, or in that Washington eastern. corner, yeah, that eastern corner that meets Idaho. That's that little area because for some reason, you know, Washington State has a rivalry with the Idaho Vandals, but you know,
0: is there? Whole, a qu- I yeah, it, that's what I'm saying. Like, I didn't the whole, realize they're close until this, uh, this, this latest, uh, the murder case. I, you know, the, <laughs> I didn't realize it was only 15. It was like 15 miles. 15 miles. Yeah. Yeah, the Palouse. Yep,
1: that, that's what they call it up there. You know, um, that's gonna be a tough stadium to play in. Like, the best teams go up there and struggle. I.e., Oregon this year. You know, like it's just not a good place to play. It's almost, it almost reminds me. Rest in peace, Mike Leach. It all, it it reminds me of going to Mississippi State with the cowbells, like so. It's just perfect that Mike Leach was at both those schools because I see a lot of similarities there, you know. Um, so for the time being, I think it's a toss up, but I'm a lean. I'm gonna lean Washington State. And then the biggie, the biggie, Salt Lake City Rice Echo well, Stadium.
0: Hey, I love beyond all day long, but. I <laughs> oh, Lake City and beating Utah. Utah has NFL talent in the trenches, and that's what Deion's mentioned that his Jackson State teams weren't prepared to play those two, three, four million dollar, you know, preseason kind of games that college football tends to pay teams to do. Blows my mind that you would accept. You know, three four million dollars for a team like Mercer to go play LSU and just get three four million dollars and end up spending two point five of it just to get players and everybody around. You only playing for five hundred thousand dollars, but one of the things he mentioned was the interior offense defensive line, the line of scrimmage, that that size advantage. Well, Utah has been grooming their program to have to win that battle. Mm-hmm. Linebacker, defensive line, offensive line, quarterback playing Utah is always, you know, yeah, camp Cam Rising, good quarterback. You always get good skill position players. They get a lot of JUCO transfers, a lot of California guys. Mm-hmm. They've been they've been able to recruit Florida and Texas pretty well. So a lot of players, like I said, a lot of those three star guys from Florida, Texas, they end up going to JUCO route. They make their way up to Utah. So a lot of skill position players are from out of state, and, and Utah is good football. Mm-hmm. You know, have good football in the city of Salt Lake, and then you have good football with the BY with BYU and their the product and the way they develop football and the football around Provo. So it's a lot of good football, a lot of big tough farm kids who live out in the state. So you get a lot of good football players. We get a lot of trench players, a lot of Polynesian, uh, Pacific Islander players play in that interior line. Colorado should be able to recruit those same players from california or even get those players out of utah into colorado but they just stay home they stay home either because just it's good football program they stay home because of religion so they have nfl defensive line and offensive line talent and i think if you are a rebuilding program or you're a new program if you're going into a rivalry game with the school All other things can be equal, but if the one team has the advantage at the line of scrimmage, you got to pick them. And it's been the case since Utah and Colorado both went to the Pac-12. It's been Utah's interior line play that makes all the difference, because that's how you run the ball, that's how you pass the ball, that's how you create turnovers. So the score might be 42 to 7 or fifty two to fourteen, whatever the case may be. You think, oh, they were throwing the ball over the place. No. They were just being dominated at the line of scrimmage. You happen to remember the score from
1: this year's game?
0: Oh, it was it was it was it was crazy. It was like sixty three something. Sixty three to twenty one. Yep. You know, so
1: I don't think it's gonna be sixty
0: three to twenty one. I, I don't think know, that's going I don't on. know in the year you he, he could make up seven touchdowns. No, but
1: but I but I think you're still looking at a thirty-eight seventeen, or you know something along those lines, where you can sell progress. So best case scenario, I have Colorado going seven and five. Best case scenario, um, worst case scenario, I got them around three and nine, and that's just them losing the games that I call toss-ups. So like your Washington State, your Arizona, so on and so forth. So I think I'll just land in the middle and go five and seven. I like I like seven and five.
0: And the middle six and six, I just think that the recruiting class has playmakers.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: The JUCO transfers, and there's still guys still yet to commit. I think signing dates February, so mm-hmm. I think Dion's probably gonna surprise you. He's gonna be able to oh yeah have more yeah. players that just in a game, a toss-up game like your Washington State game, your UCLA game, your you know, a game like Oregon, maybe, maybe they just get a punt return, pick six touchdown. They get, they can get an edge rusher that was committed to Florida to decommit. Mm-hmm. To come, you know, someone who can just, as an individual playmaker, just make a play that puts you at 14-0 when you should have, when the score shouldn't have been like that. You know, you keep 14. Right. 14- there something like because That's that's how normally how <coughs> these upsets occur. It's not just the teams line up and they go head to head and they go back and forth. Something happens. It happened. Utah, USC, both games this year. It was. Caleb Williams was kind of mobilized. Leg was kind of hurt, which allowed the safeties to play a little bit more aggressive because he couldn't couldn't run as much so he had to throw it so they were able to jam wide receivers more. They play a little more cover too and you could just make plays happen because you also have athletes you have -hmm. you have good juco transfer so you put you know you put team like oregon down 14-0 kind of out of nowhere do they press do they Mm -hmm. keep together like so you mentioned the new coaches you got nebraska has a new coach uh arizona state has a new coach stanford has a new coach you know, so you have all these teams that maybe they show up expecting to win. You know, you get them. You get uh, Oregon, Colorado after, you know, Colorado, Oregon. Yeah, Colorado's three and say they're one and two mm-hmm. going into Oregon. Oregon takes them lightly. They're down 14-0. Pressing. Fumble. Fumble on the kickoff. Just little little things like that you know you got a home game you're expected to win you got a guy bold Nick probably going to be on the Heisman watch just because he's been in, he's been in there, been in the game so long probably might be a prime time game
2: mm-hmm.
0: well a lot a lot of little things happen so 75 6 and 6 um but that's all predicated on how he well he does recruit but i think he's i think he's locked in i don't think he'll be at 3 and 9 i just i can't i can't see 3 and 9 I hope not. You know what I mean. Um, I can't, I... I, can't see, I can't see Dion just the staff that he has. I mean, he has head coaches who's supposed to be offensive coordinators. I mean, he had Mike Zimmer down at Jackson State coaching defense. Mike Zimmer was he was winning the Minneapolis Miracle. <laughs> yeah, like a few yeah. years. It wasn't like, that was, like I
1: said earlier, though that was like taking candy from a baby against that competition. You know, um, it, like it ratchets a little the, bit. And he got yeah, those
0: definitely. I'm there. Like, it's not a matter of like, I don't, I don't think it's like, oh, just because you have these coaches that you're just going to be, you know, you're gonna just automatically be victorious. But the ability to have these coaches in position at a small school, mm-hmm. and then you have guys leaving those schools to come up with them. So I think having guys who are head coaches. And all these positions will be able to. You don't have to be the guy to teach. Hey, penalties get us killed. Turnovers get us killed because you you understand that philosophy. You have offensive coaches that used to be head coaches. They know play clock. Don't waste timeouts. Um, don't call these plays in these scenarios. Where sometimes if you have like you know we talked about with Miami last week. Yeah, I was you know, gonna and, say. <laughs> and then he doesn't hire a bunch of ex. Head coaches. So now no one's recognizing that the play clock's running down. Whereas if your offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, your special teams coordinator, all used to be head coaches at FBS, SCS, or even NFL level, you have that 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 breadth of knowledge just surrounding the capsulated players. So every room you're in, Dion doesn't have to go in to the running back room and talk about how ball security is job security, yours and mine. Mm-hmm because he has a head coach teaching that position. So he mm-hmm. knows this is the philosophy I want so he can overview. He can do the recruiting. He can do the booster meetings. He can do the, the ESPN spots. He can do the other things that draw attention to Colorado and still have its imprint on the team. I think a lot of coaches fail when they don't have that – you don't know, have that cachet because everyone's not going to want to come. If I'm not a head coach – if I'm a former NFL head coach, I don't want to come to a college, a small college, and be behind mm-hmm. a first-time head coach. Correct. Yeah. But the fact that Deion's able to do that, I think, I think that in of itself will keep them from being poor. Mm-hmm. Some games you're just gonna get out muscled in certain positions just because you don't have. You don't have the NFL talent. There's going to be guys off the Utah offensive, defensive line, and linebacker who are to get drafted every year. Right.
1: You know, and, um, you know, I do spend time on allbuffs.com in the Buff zone. So, shout out to Brian Howell. He keeps me up to date, doing a great job. So, since, you know, the signing early signing period has come in and the transfer portal is open, Colorado has added 31 players total. And fifteen of that 31 are transferred. So it's gonna look a little bit bolder a little bit different and bolder. But what I really wanna know is if RAF is gonna tell us that Jacksonville is gonna be Kansas City.
2: This is what I'll say. <laughs> I'll say this.
0: I'll say I remember watching the Ohio State. Clemson college football playoff game where Justin Fields threw that beautiful deep bomb to Chris Olave—it was like, it was incredible. And Clemson did lose that game, but I remember watching Trevor Lawrence. I remember watching—I think it was a play inside the red zone. But I remember watching him and the way he dropped back, hit his back foot, and threw the ball. Like the way is like. He threw that ball like, this is where this play is supposed to go. I know this is supposed to go here. And he delivered it. I think it was like a couple, like maybe a corner and a linebacker had their hands in there. Ball goes through, they score a score touchdown. touchdown. I mean, he was just fighting uphill battle. You know, you get a couple of, you know, you get down by a couple of scores. Now you're down three scores, you're fighting uphill battle. But I remember looking, thinking like, people will say, oh, because you lose your last college game then you shouldn't go number one overall. And I remember watching, seeing, like, he he knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. He knows what he's doing. You can see he knows what he's doing. And then I saw the same kind of throw a couple of weeks ago when they played Dallas. He threw a touchdown to Zay Jones. It was a bunch of people in the area. I'm not sure if everybody ran the right route. But I remember when he dropped back, he was going through his reads, he saw Zay Jones, and he let it rip. It was no hesitation because if you look at some of these highlights, a lot of DBs and linebackers are there when the ball is arriving. It just, it's just this close and it's a reception. You get it here, it's a deflection. It's just something about his ability to do that, make those kind of throws. The trust he has, Dougie Peterson. Him proving that Urban Meyer does not belong in the NFL, I think that's um, that's a bonus for me. But with all that being said, Kansas City gonna win this game. And they're gonna win they're gonna win it because the cornerback Eric Reed says something that I read the other day. He said on third down, I don't even go pick up my helmet because I'm confident that we're gonna convert. <laughs> And someone's like, oh, that's, that sounds arrogant. Like, that's not arrogant. That's I think that's him understanding, like, yo, I trust my team. And if they get down 10 0, Patrick Mahomes is not going to shoot a defense off and not getting points. He's not going to shoot a line out. He's like, i us just go, boys, with his Kermit the Frog voice and go out there and get them galvanized. And then two drives are going to be a 14 10. I just think that Arrowhead being as loud a stadium as it is. I to Trevor Lawrence. I mean it's not I don't think it's gonna rattle him, but it's gonna cause situations where you try to check at the line, six seconds left in the play clock. You trying to check out of whatever you got to check, you gotta call wide receivers, and they might have to burn the timeout. Mm-hmm. You know, little little things like that that happen. He threw four interceptions the first half of his first playoff game. I know it looked like he forgot all of that in the second mm-hmm. half. But he throws another one in the first half Can Kansas City. Does it get to him?
2: He's mm-hmm.
0: like, oh, okay, I can't do this again. Because Andy Reid is not going to let you come back. You get up 14 points. Like, yes, I know last year they had an 18-point lead and Cincinnati came back. that was an anomaly. That's not like a standard practice for Andy Reid. And I just think the way that Patrick Mahomes orchestrates offense with those weapons. I think it's it's more collaborative. I think mm-hmm. he buys into it. So that's why no one puts their head down when they get down. Like when they got down twenty four zero to Houston in mm-hmm. in the first half and went into halftime with a twenty-eight, twenty-four lead. We don't talk like how do you not talk like that was that was bananas. They were down twenty four zero in the first. We don't
1: half. have time. We don't have the time to talk about that when the Cowboys exist.
0: Oh my goodness, we'll get to them too. <laughs> but like so, I, I like Kansas City. I think the defense has been just. I think they've been playing vanilla. I don't think there's been any world beaters. I think they just say, you know what, if we keep it all in front of us, we force field goals. Maybe get Chris Jones, Frank Clark, get through, get a sack. I think Chris Jones doesn't have a sack in the 13 playoff game since he's been in Kansas City, which is weird um, for someone that talented. But I got, I got Kansas City winning this game. You know, 27-17, something like that.
1: I always come in here and I be wanting to say stuff. And it's like, you're just inside my mind, (laughs) you know, because we don't talk about it beforehand. Like we might ask each other who we got winning, but we don't break down why we're picking whoever we pick. Because the first thing that I was going to lead this discussion with is that Jacksonville is two and six when Trevor Lawrence gets sacked more than one time in a game this season. So that does include last week. So uh, so they came into the playoffs one and six when he got sacked more than twice. I'm sorry, more than once in a game. So these two teams did play on November thirteenth, and uh, they played in Arrowhead, so maybe that's why Trevor Lawrence doesn't think it's very loud there, But what he doesn't know is that was the regular season. This is the playoffs. So I truly, truly expect Kansas City to try to imitate Florida State. You're gonna hear that chant all game long, you know, and the when they played that first time, Patrick Mahomes went 26 for 35, 331 yards, four touchdowns. Trevor Lawrence went 29 for 40, 259 and two touchdowns. I'm not saying that Trevor Lawrence has to outduel Patrick Mahomes because that's not realistic. What I'm right. saying is, is that there needs to be a lot of ETN involved. There needs to be short passes as far as screens and things of that nature to just get their receivers out in space and take time off the clock depending on time and situation of the game. What I like is the game within the game because I knew that Doug Peterson and Andy Reid go back. So if anybody knows Andy Reid, it is Doug Peterson. What I didn't realize was that they had been together in some shape or form for 27 years now. So he really knows Andy Reid, you know, including coaching with him in Kansas City. Obviously, Mahomes wasn't there yet, but, you know, he he knows Andy Reid very well. Also, Kansas City is top all the plays. That's what they say. Eb. That's what they say. What so they say. you know, and, and and shout out to Eb. Shout out to Eb getting that interview with the Colts the other day. You know, <laughs> um, and they interviewed they interviewed Aaron Glenn. So it's not just a Rooney Rule thing. Maybe, maybe. Uh, so so the Chiefs are top ten in the league in yards per carry. The only problem with that is they're twenty fourth in attempts. You know, like. Let Mahomes take a breather every now and again. Like it will, it will open up your offense even more because in this game against Jacksonville, back on November the 13th, which finished with Raft's final score of 27 to 17, Pacheco ran for 82 yards. You know, so you don't necessarily need to say, "Hey, Patty, go out there, throw 52 passes, and let's just impose our will on them." But what the defense needs to do is take the middle away. Because when they played on November 13th, it was shallow cross all day long. Shallow cross all day long. So what Kansas City might need to do is try to make Trevor Lawrence a perimeter passer. Try to hit those up-the-sideline throws.
0: Not saying that he can't do it. So you're but, saying he should adopt Sandy, uh, Los Angeles?
1: Yeah, they they should adopt it. But,
0: but, but. Adjust I yeah, so when he does, when he does, well, give you a reason to adjust. Maybe, let's, get it, let's keep the guy, let's keep the guy back. Let's not yeah. jump every under route.
1: Yes, and just to give you, I want to qualify my statement, because I talked about how Kansas City was 24th in rushing attempts. So, Kansas City is one and two when they rush for less than 75 yards. So, apparently, they, they in those attempts, like I said, they lead the their uh, top 10 in yards per carry, so. They get yards when they run. Just do it.
0: Because they run, they run like four different running backs, but not because they're running. Like, it's not like they put a running back in for specific things. Like, oh, like with Dallas when they run Zeke and Pollard, it's like, okay, you know, when they're in there, they're going to be the focal point of the play calling mm-hmm. for a 12 play drive. Whereas Kansas City just basically uses, their running backs almost as, I want to say decoys because it sounds dismissive, but everyone's afraid of the pass. Mm-hmm. In the City, you shouldn't be afraid of the pass as much. I know Patrick Mahomes is a great back, but it's not like they're trying to beat you over the top. They're just methodical. He doesn't make mistakes. So I think mm-hmm. defense is like overplay him
2: mm-hmm.
0: and he checks it down to McKinnon and he gets a receiving touchdown. He runs a quick draw play to Edwards-Hilaire, and he gets you six or seven yards. And then they'll line up and just straight up give the ball to uh, Isaiah Pacheo. Shout out to Jersey with the Rutgers. I mean, he's, from, he's from down south, like, south Jersey, Cumberland County. Um, he's actually a good friend of mine. Is friends with his dad, so he's like, they were talking about that draft night, and they had a little party. And it, was, it, was, it was pretty cool. It was, it was a big moment. I think he went over 100 yards uh, late in the season. He was like the first 100-yard rusher for Kansas City for a while. It was, it, was a, it was a good thing. So the way Kansas City uses their running backs is somewhat unconventional, but they're so effective in the pass game that you you got to get you got to get them in a game like like he had at Denver, mm-hmm. where he kept trying to throw it when they should have ran it. Like you got to get him to where maybe he thinks he can just beat you guys no matter what. And I think Eric Binty and, and Andy Reid, I think they might look at that game like, all right. I think that's the game where they kind of realize, all right, we're doing too much. Because I don't think he's had a game like that. Patrick Mahomes had a game like that since because he threw a few of those interceptions right into right into his hands. The linebacker number forty-seven for Denver. And granted, that guy looked like he used to play tight end the way he was jumping and catching them. But he was standing. Right. It wasn't like he was coming across the field. And some kind of cover one. He was like the rover in the middle. He just was standing there. Patrick like I can get in there. He was like, boop. So I think they I think they they learned from their mistakes there. But Mm -hmm. so so speaking so speaking of
1: rushing, since I brought that up, Jacksonville is five and one when they allow less than 71 yards. You know, and and going back to that, what you were just saying that's a product of having people like Nicole Harmon who, you know, you can just shovel pass and he'll get you 15 yards at a time, you know? So so
0: does he he care to play football? (laughs) I've talked about this before. Like I, I watch him and it's like, you're probably just as fast on the field as Tyreek Hill. Easily. Asking for those same kind of routes. I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm just hoping to see this man in the Olympics something. Point. Forty. He ran a four two something, a four three something at the combine as well. So it's like I don't think Tyree Tyre- clocked at like four one or anything crazy. I think he probably clocked anything around four three something. Like, it just seems like he should be getting those routes. Hopefully, could I agree. be healthy. Is he playing? Oh, Darius Tony. Um, yes, as far as I
1: know, he is. Last I checked. You know, but with that being said, I got 34-20 Native Americans. And I think this is going to be a game where we look at the score at times. You know, it might be 20-13 to or something along those lines. And you don't actually feel danger that Kansas City is in trouble. Like, the score will be close for a while, but you're never going to sit there and go, well, for the most part, you're not going to go, oh, Jacksonville has a chance because Kansas City is still going to be Forcing their will on them, if you will, but speaking of forcing will, what is Jalen Hurts' shoulder feeling like today?
0: Man, that shoulder's fine. <laughs> like listen, these NFL players, I I mean like I like I was I remember Champ Bailey playing that whole season with the brace that kept his shoulder intact. Um, Guys playing with bone spurs and ankle this and knee this and brace this up. I haven't seen J.J. Watt not wear that elbow thing for five, six, seven years. Gronk playing the same way. These guys, they play through a lot. Mm -hmm. He landed on his shoulder. They were the number one seed. So they let him rest. Let him rest. He got a few reps in a couple of games. They're gonna be fine. And people say, "Oh, he can't run. He can't run. He only averages seven rushing attempts per game for like 27 yards." So people are making it seem like every they're just running Jalen Hurts all the time. It's like, no, he's throwing the ball to AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, Miles Sanders. Like, he's got like he's distributing the ball. He he's more than just a big running quarterback. I know he's strong, and people mention how he's Normally, pound for pound, strongest player on his team from high school. He was a powerless and champion, so probably the strongest player on his high school team. Alabama, when he went to Oklahoma, leader in the locker room. And he's smart. He's a so smart just.
1: So, just so I have this clear, he's not Michael Vick.
0: Michael Vick self admitted said, I wouldn't even know the game plan. I just knew when the play got called that if I didn't like the first read, I could take off and let my athleticism take over. He said that himself. Right, right. He's like, I knew that at any given moment in Atlanta, in Atlanta, the Atlanta is the Philly is. you say Andy Reid taught him how to like really read defenses and how to use athleticism with his arm, and I think a lot of running quarterbacks are following that move, because Vic didn't break down. He wasn't injured a lot. I think he had a broken leg, which can happen on any any running play. It wasn't like sustained hits after hits after hit right. after hit. Right. So I think a lot of the more the mobile quarterbacks with, with strong arms, I think a lot of coaches are looking at like how Andy Reed handled Vic and converting him from just a runner with a cannon to a cannon that could also run. You know, so it just just the dichotomy just switch there. Yeah. But he, like yeah. he's he just he wasn't he wasn't reading really game plan. Jalen Hurts, smart, smart quarterback, humble, um, sat behind Tua, mentor to him, went to Oklahoma, was a Heisman candidate, went to Philly behind Carson Wentz. You haven't heard Jalen Hurts say anything crazy in the media. I watched that uh, was it what magazine? But they were doing a little clip of interviewing rookie NBA players, NFL players on. How I spent my first million, and they gave him like a stack of like fake million dollars, and he was talking about it. I think six hundred fifty thousand of his first million went to some kind of investment. Like sixty thousand went to his sister to pay off first college debt. Then he separated his money for taxes. Then he had money for I think he bought he said he bought some clothes for like four thousand dollars, and then it was like five hundred twenty thousand dollars went to savings or some some kind of investment. So, like, that was as a rookie, how you spent your first million. If other rookies, oh, yeah, so I went and got this condo in Miami. I'm paying $30,000 a month in rent. Like, just it was, it just was way different, you know? So, right, right. Just, you just been different. And they're playing the Giants. Don't you do it. Stop it. Don't oh, you do it. We I just
1: came off of Daniel Dom's appreciation day. Don't I'm you on, do
0: man. it. As As we transition to some. To the eight we're gonna go with AFC, NFC, and we go back to AFC, and we'll go back to NFC. Because we got we're gonna save Dallas for last because they, they are they move the needle. You know, we're trying to get some traction on our show. Dallas moves the needle, we'll go with that. I think we might okay, have Okay
1: Roman Reigns, okay.
0: So Philly Giants. I like the Giants, they're a great story.
2: But Daniel Jones was only responsible for eighteen touchdowns in the regular season.
0: They played 17 games. If you said, "Hey, Daniel, they they got eight guys in the box. I need you to run these these deep crossing routes, these over routes, and you throw these go whatever, whatever." No, his passing chart his last game. I think like two passes 15 yards beyond the line of scrimmage. I get that he is a he is a sustainable, viable game manager. The problem is, I live here in Philly Giants country, sprinkling some Dallas fans for a stake. But here, I mean, it's, it has houses torn. My son has a bet with his basketball coach, because his basketball coach is a Philly fan, and some of the players on the basketball team, a Giants fan, like, listen, if the Giants win. We get to pick the starting lineup on the game Monday. Like I mean, it's it's just, it's like ingrained into this area.
2: Yeah.
0: Realistically, the team that defends the run better has
2: the better offensive line, has the better weapons, and
0: has the more trustworthy quarterback. That's the team you pick. Regardless of all the hoopla and the potential contracts in the 7th and 3rd, Philly controls the line of scrimmage better. They run the ball better. Their quarterback is more trustworthy. And they're playing at home. I know it's not that far, Philly, to, to you know, East Rutherford. It's not that far, so there will be Giants fans. Mm-hmm. But Philly's different. Mm-hmm. Even Eli said, man, I've... I, Said I was never go back in that building after i retired, but I gotta go back now. It's just not a place that it's not a place where you want to go if you don't have to. And then being young giants, Brian Dable, like I get
2: it's a good story, but that that story ends this weekend. I don't I don't know what
0: I, does Daniel Dimes love. What I've discovered in my many years of uh, sports debate and these conversations, I've discovered that pundits, talking heads, they want to be the first person to say this person's going to be good when everyone else is kind of on the fence just to say I told you so. I was watching The I Couple the other day probably Thursday, Greg Jennings had a segment on there, and he said Daniel Jones is a top 10 quarterback. Chris Bussard, Rob Parker went bananas.
2: Hello, is this
0: thing on? Like the whole, the whole theatrics. So then Chris Bizarre named 10 quarterbacks. And he's like, you're not, then he tried to argue that you would take Daniel Jones over Kirk Cousins. I was like, no, you won't. It was like, like, was like, was listen, man, you want to do this, or did you just say that because you wanted to say Dave Jones is top 10 because you're caught in the moment, and you didn't really research it? Because that's what it sounds like, and that's what it feels like. It feels like people just want to say, I told you he was blah. I told you he was this, versus just looking at the quarterbacks you already have. You already got Joe Burrow, good quarterback. You already have Patrick Mahomes. You already have Dak Prescott when he's consistent. You already you already have quarterbacks that are good that you can talk about, and guys that are in a different tier. Stop trying to put guys in these tiers. Like when they try to say Eli was elite. Eli's not not elite. He had two elite playoff runs. Literally his record is 500 for his career. He's not elite. But
1: Don't forget that pass rush too.
0: I mean, he still has to make throws. I don't gotta,
1: know, I know, but but, I'm, but it, you gotta be, but you, but you gotta what, be in the game for those but, throws to matter.
0: He wasn't, yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't elite. He wasn't an elite quarterback. Certain guys are elite. Everybody can't be elite. So trying to say, if you can't say a guy is elite and he's top ten, considering he's only thirty-two, that's not elite. You're ten out of thirty-two. You're in the top third. That's not elite when it's only thirty-two. If it's 332,000 and you're way up in the top 10, okay, you're elite. But it's 32. You're you you're in the average tier. You're in that, that 11 to 17 where you have guys like Carson Wentz. You have guys like Derek Carr. You have guys like Daniel Jones. I know everyone loves Herbert. I'm not sure he's legitimately top 10. I think people look at his numbers and say top 10. But I don't really feel it all the time. But yeah, the Daniel, the Daniel Jones love is,
2: is over the top. So obviously I'm picking Philly.
0: You got a score? Score? Uh, we'll go with 30-20. So I'm so
1: tired of you disrespecting Daniel Doms. This man has improved. All he needed was the right coach. He still don't have receivers that I would call reliable or whatever the case may be. Because as fast as Darius Slayton is, all I seem to remember is that drop on Thursday Night Football against Washington.
0: Man, that pass was so overthrown. He was wide. It was, but you, but, but was, you a receiver, you was, still got to catch it. That is Daniel Jones' fault. That's what I'm talking about. That play right there. You remember the wide receiver and I catching it. He had 20 yards. It was him, the cheerleaders, the fans, and the camera people. They were the only people with heartbeats <laughs> for 30 yards. And he overthrew them because he is a, he is a, he is a good game manager. All they right. can't you to victory. He can't All throw right. you to victory. People like to use, oh, the game-winning drives. Yeah. If your defense keeps you in it and you get the ball back and you're down four and you can put the drive together, yeah, get it. But what about the games where Saquon can't get any yards from scrimmage, receiving or?
1: We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it.
0: Get out my head. (laughs) Like, where has he thrown 35 to 40 passes, multiple touchdowns, no interceptions, and they won? Does that game exist? in all the time he's been there, because his first year, 24 touchdowns, and then for a couple of years after that, he threw a total of 24 touchdowns, 39, 45. Like I mean, it's like it's just it's okay for someone to not be elite at their job. Mm-hmm.
1: It's not okay for the fifth. It's not okay for the fifth or sixth draft pick you know, to play the way that he's played, you know, um, because of course, just to y'all out there, I am being facetious about Daniel Jones. Like I'm I'm not a Daniel Jones fan. I'm just, you know, being devil's advocate and all that kind of stuff like that. But the giants are fourth in rushing in the league, rushing yards per game, you know, and Philly is number five. So whoever can run the ball, going back to what Raph talked about earlier in the trenches, whoever can run the ball, wins the day, but for Philly, do you not know that Daniel Jones is capable of running? Because every time they play, I feel like Daniel Jones always has a 20-yard run against them, particularly. You know, it, it just works out that way for some reason, but a lot of people want to focus on the here and now, which is great. You know, we're here and now, so week 18, the Giants had their seat locked up. Sat their starters. Jalen Hurts had to play because Gardner Minshew wasn't going to get that first seed. And the Giants played well, like well, not well, but it was a close game. 22 to 16, I believe, was the final score. So a lot of Giants fans have confidence. But if we come back down to earth just a little bit, and I am not calling you frauds, I'm not calling you fools, Gold, I just don't think you're what everybody's been saying you were all week because the first time you played philly saquon got held to 28 yards that's a two and an eight i'm two five he <laughs> ran for three yards more than my name <laughs> you know, that's all i'm saying so another note that giants fans don't want to hear is that they've lost their last nine games in the city of philadelphia so just saying. And I'm sure Daniel Jones started a few of those games. You Probably. know,
2: so,
1: yeah, so, so needless to say, he has not won in Philadelphia just yet. So, Minnesota, all last week when we broke down the Minnesota Giants game, the number one thing that I harped on was Hold how on, slow was that?
0: I got, I got the Kansas City Jacksonville game on. Trevor Lawrence must do another one. It bounced off the safety's chest. See, see, you know, but
1: um, all I talked about was how slow Minnesota's secondary is and how fast the Giants receivers are. So I so they didn't do anything that I didn't expect them to do, per se, against the Vikings. Do it against Darius Slay, you know, do it against Philly's secondary. And maybe, maybe I can give Daniel Jones that type of credit that Giants fans feels that he deserves. What I'm interested in, you know, and obviously that didn't come to play this season because, you know, the first game was 48 to 22 Philly. But when I look at this, you mentioned Jalen Hurts. See, you're always in my head. You mentioned Jalen Hurts and mentoring Tua and all that kind of stuff. Well, uh, Brian Dable had something to do with that benching because he was the OC at Alabama that year. You know, so how about that? So could Jalen Hurts. (laughs) Could Jalen Hurts have a little extra motivation? You know, not saying because he handled it with grace. He handled it with class beautifully, the way that we would want a player to handle that. But he's still human at the end of the day. So I imagine if I was Jalen Hurts, every time I looked across the field and saw Brian Dable, you know, I'll show you something about offense. That's where I'm going with it. Yeah. So so from that standpoint, as long as Jalen Hurts' shoulder isn't dangling and his arm ain't hitting the ground when he walks i expect jalen hurts to have a big game you know i expect philly to be able to stuff the box because i don't know if daniel jones can make the throws against their secondary because they're not going to have enough separation the way they did against minnesota so i got the game 28 to 17 still one of those games where it's close for a little while because they are division rivals. So I
0: don't, like I, don't trouble. I don't, I don't,
1: I don't, I don't expect that they're going to hit each other with a lot that they haven't seen from each other. I don't expect that. I just think that Philly is going to line up, smack them in the mouth and hit them with a little AJ Brown and Devontae Smith every now and again. You know, I think that the giants are going to revert back to what they were prior to the Minnesota game because the Minnesota game with that weak secondary allowed them the opportunity to switch it up just a little bit and do the things. Brian Dable does adjust. He is a good offensive coach. You know, I think Mike Kafka also has something to do with that. You know, I'll talk about Mike Kafka later. But, you know, I just think that the Giants have heard all week that the Giants – or Philly has heard all week that the Giants are the trendy upset pick of the week. You know, every channel – like, we talked about San Francisco and Dallas. Everywhere I go, somebody picks the Giants, and I'm sitting there like, why? The only thing the Giants the – the, the only thing the Giants have better than Philly is their uniforms. That's the only thing the Giants have better than Philly. So let's just throw that out there. But what I do want to know is we came into this season – And everybody was trying to, you know, go back to that tier conversation because he's always in my head. And everybody always tried to tell me, you know what? There's Patrick Mahomes and then there's Josh Allen. That is not true. There Mm -hmm. is Joe Burrow, first of all. First of all, there is Joe Burrow. I'm taking Joe Burrow over Josh Allen every day of the week because Josh Allen plays pinball with the football. Now, if Cincinnati had their full complement of offensive linemen i would pick cincinnati to win this game you know i think that they're as good as buffalo they only finished a game worse you know they're on a winning streak they haven't lost since halloween when they got their pants pulled down on monday night football by the browns and that was pre-deshaun watson so cincinnati was going through something i guess you know but um but if they had their full complement of linemen, I would pick Cincinnati. I think the plan is you got to get Jamar into space, bubble screen, slants, whatever it is. But the problem is, is that Buffalo's secondary is pretty damn good. And they have Kair Elam, the rookie from Florida, who came along last week and played well. And he gave them an extra element to fortified their secondary so joe Burrow, for one may not have time to throw i heard a stat this morning shout out to mina Combs. i love mina Combs. um <laughs> joe Burrow had 2.39 seconds to throw last week at times and they didn't do anything you know he threw for i believe it was 209 yards against baltimore but they, he had
0: a lot of yards against buffalo he hadn't he played them three times this year every game was under 215 yards so i think buffalo and joe burrow just have a thing oh
1: buffalo i mean baltimore you mean yeah baltimore, yeah baltimore uh, have
2: Yeah.
0: have a thing where he can just they just have he just doesn't force it right right and they just so, they, they must match up well in this In his favorite passing zones and he's mm-hmm. like Check it out so, so so cincinnati so cincinnati does have
1: the best trio of receivers in the league, I think. So, you know, that's where having um, Kyrie Elam comes along, you know, where it's not just up to one corner to shut down Jamar Smith. They have other corners that can potentially match up with Boyd and Higgins, you know, and, you know, if I'm the Chicago Bears, Higgins might be on my uh, short list there. But who can make a downfield play? Is Burrow going to have the time? Or are we going to run into – Josh Favre, you know, saying, is Josh going to be more Russell Wilson this week? What is he going to do? Because the game is all in his hands. Like, I don't care about what Cincinnati rushes for, what Buffalo rushes for, because Buffalo don't rush for a lot anyway. You know, I just need Josh Allen. If they if Buffalo's going to win this game, I need Josh Allen to just act like. For one game, he just has to act like he has IQ. That's all it is. He just has to not be Russell Westbrook. He has to not be why I
0: do mean, people make these these caveats either? Josh Allen does not make good decisions with the football often enough. I mean, he made him when Dable was his offensive coach. he turned but he turned the ball over a lot then he fell do a lot of picks. He ran too much. He tried to run people over. He's mm-hmm. getting his numbness in his elbow. I like Josh Allen, but I think. The far comparison makes a lot of sense. I just think that someone has to be able to tell him, "Chill out, calm down. We don't need." It was a couple plays like third and two, and he threw forty yards downfield. Like <laughs> he, he threw the ball deep more than any other quarterback in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But
2: third, you know.
0: Just run run the draw play. Like check to like I know you like the Stephon Diggs look. You you see you got one safety in the middle of the field, it looks like you got man-to-man on the outside. You're in shotgun, you're like, oh, oh, look at this. And you're like, check, 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 oh my, oh my. Just run it. Keep the clock running. Cause when you keep putting it up like that, you throw these interceptions, you get opportunities for strip sacks. You exhaust your offensive linemen when you have the mm-hmm. pass block a lot because they got to drop back and beat these guys who are, you know, run four, seven forties.
1: Well, one more thing I wanted to bring up real quick before I turn it over was uh, Buffalo was seven and one at home this year. You remember what that one was?
2: That wasn't the Miami game,
0: was it?
1: No, it was the how the hell did Justin Jefferson catch that ball
0: game? So- oh. That was the one where Josh Allen made the mistake at the goal line. Go figure. So, so point being, that wasn't where I was trying to go with it. The point I was
1: trying to say is that in Orchard Park, Buffalo has been good. They, they haven't lost a season outside of that miraculous catch, you know, whatever the case may be. So Cincinnati already has it stacked against them besides the fact that Joe Mixon keeps running his mouth because now he's upset about the neutral site and how people are selling tickets already, which you want him to do, wait until Monday morning, and then, you know, and Joe Burrow, yeah, nice. everybody sells the tickets. Nice. And then Joe Burrow, while I like it, I love it, actually, when Joe Burrow said that their window is always open as long as he's there. I love it. But you know what, Joe? Shut up and go on the field and win in Orchard Park.
2: Uh, I guess Cincinnati win. When- went
1: I got Buffalo twenty-seven to twenty-four.
2: I
0: got Cincinnati twenty-three-twenty. Okay. Now we got the big one. The big one. Dallas and San Francisco. Yes. Just to give you a quick update, Travis Kelsey touchdown from Patrick Mahomes. Seven- yeah, he's about to he's about to break
1: the uh, all time playoff yards record for a tight end.
0: Something about that—that that having that good connection. So we got speaking of uh, tight end quarterback connections, Purdy and Kittle—they're on one.
1: The Iowa connection, you know, Purdy from Iowa State, Kittle from Iowa.
0: He was like, I can't keep getting to the Hawkeye, but he keeps on it because wide the middle of the field. Mhm. I'm—I I'm, don't really have a reason to pick Dallas. Other than I want to pick Dallas, <laughs> I, I just I just want to pick Dallas. I, I I I think people are like underselling how tough it is to win 12 games in back-to-back years. They didn't have Dak for a lot of games. Cooper Rush came in and played well. Yeah, Dak is tied for league leading interceptions, but in those games where he threw interceptions, he still went five and two. So. If they don't create adversity for themselves, they win. Twelve and five, and they just had this playoff game where they dominated the Bucks. Granted, the Bucs were eight and nine, and they seem to be in disarray since August. Like they never really seemed that they gelled at all. So I don't want to say, oh, they because they beat Tampa Bay last week, they're definitely going to be. I just think the way that Dallas plays, even though it's very vanilla, because Mike Evans said in the press conference, he was like. He's like, what they do is simple. That's crazy. It's like simple popped up on my TV, on my little iPad, right when I said the word simple. <laughs> but <laughs> they play simple, and it wasn't, like, derogatory. It was like, listen, we're going to line up like this, and we're going to beat you like this. <laughs> Zeke is not going to get some kind of crazy reverse option toss at back pass, flea flicker. with Zeke's in here, we're going to run it hard up the middle. We can run it hard to the right. We're going to run it hard to the left. We're not going to throw a lot of screen passes to him. We're not going to check it down. He's going to let Zeke eat, you know, and it's simple. Going to put Pollard in. Pollard presents a little bit different pass blocks, and then he leaks out. Maybe he hits to check down Dak. CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup. Uh, Dalton Schultz is Dak's favorite target. I think what, every, what everyone likes about San Francisco. Dallas has on each side of the ball. Mm-hmm. But no one talks like Joey Bosa, Marcus Lawrence. I mean, yeah. Bosa had a better year. But what you get out of the Marcus Lawrence defendant, the Dallas defensive line. You get the same pressure that San Francisco presents. Your core, Michael Parsons, Van Der Esch, You get the same as you get with uh, Greenlaw. Warner. Mm -hmm. Cornerback play, Trayvon Diggs does look in the back a lot, but he gets his hands on a lot. He hasn't been as peaky this year. That's why his interceptions are down, because he's just been like, you know what? You know you don't want to throw it to me because I can pick it off. So now he just plays coverage. So I think I will take the season – quarterback over the rookie and that's and that's I think I think that's the advantage and if if anybody want to give Brock Purdy the advantage over Dak they're just doing it because they want to pick Brock Purdy I'm giving Dallas the advantage because I think everywhere else it's close enough Uh uh-oh we got a kickoff return for a touchdown nope push out of bounds at 39 39 yards ago for a touchdown for Jacksonville just give you an update so I'm taking Dallas simply because if you if you lay everything out the advantage that they have at quarterback is the uh, to me that's that's the, that's the key.
2: Okay.
1: Okay. So I went back and forth on this game um just like I did Dallas last week in Tampa because I am a commander fan so it's hard for me sometimes to be unbiased when it comes to Dallas. Um, I do respect their talent, but I think the difference is their talent is individual, whereas San Francisco's talent is collective. Um, I think that Last week was easier to pick the Cowboys just because a lot of people were picking Tampa there was no expectation no pressure for real because everybody said Tom Brady's going to do this he's not going to lose
0: at home I I heard, I heard Dallas better not lose to Tampa
1: I I heard I heard Dallas or Tampa had to go just like this week you know we talked about it earlier a little bit you know I heard a lot of all the coverage I heard which I you know I try not to Get too deep into what they're saying, but all the coverage that I heard was this is how Dallas is going to win. This is how Dallas is going to win. San Francisco is a better team, but this is how Dallas is going to win. And you know, I don't know how much that plays in to like the disrespect thing where San Francisco feels slighted as the favorite or whatever the case may be. But what I do know, and I'm gonna pause after I say this because Michael Parsons needs to leave his DNA on this game. <laughs> All right. So I expect Dalton Schultz to have a big game. Now, this is where it gets interesting because I've been talking to LeBron James fans all weekend. They've been telling me about how much he scores in the fourth quarter this season, leads the league in fourth quarter points. So I said, you know what? I'm so confused on this game. What does the fourth quarter look like? So I looked it up and this is what I found. Dallas is fourth in the league in fourth quarter points allowed and San Francisco is number 3. So they're only separated by 0.1. So teams don't score on them a lot in crunch time. But conversely, Dallas is third in points in the fourth quarter and San Francisco is seventh. And they're only separated by a point 9 there. So I like the coaching matchup here for San Francisco, Mike McCarthy I think is a little underrated at times just because he coaches for the Cowboys, so his
0: mistakes are magnified, or whatever people perceive his mistakes to be. A challenge flag after the first replay that we get to see at home. People are like, "Oh, he's an idiot." He's like he doesn't get that message that quick, right? He's, and Skip Bayless, he's always looking up at the monitor. Well, it's a sixty-yard monitor <laughs> to see if the dude caught the ball. If I can't see it on that,
2: then yeah. I'm Yeah, the and,
1: and I did what I told you I was going to do. I went back and watched last year's 49er Cowboy playoff game. And my takeaway was Jimmy G really struggled. He really did. And I think Brock Purdy is going to struggle somewhat. But the reason that I'm picking San Francisco is getting Debo and McCaffrey out to the perimeter in the short pass game. And I just think that they have too much of that for Dallas to hold down for four whole quarters. I think that... Dallas will do a decent job, you know, snuffing it out most of the game. But I think there's going to be one or two plays, game of inches type style that will take over the game. And I do think that San Francisco is the most complete team in the league when it comes to the total package of offense, defense, Everyone special
2: teams. I
0: saying that. And I'm like, well, what about the San Francisco 49ers that lost to Atlanta that got dominated the whole game? I know Bosa didn't play, but it's I like mean, every every Brad team, played, the, every BG team in played, the NFL. Kyle Shanahan was there. It's
1: every like, team in the NFL has
0: team, that every team. It's,
1: every it's, every team in the NFL has that. Like your beloved Patty Mahomes lost to the Colts. You know, yeah, before but- Great Wright even got fired, these things happen.
0: I just don't get the most complete team narrative I just think that it's I think it's overblown I think I just it's think, I think, it's, just think, I think it's a little bit more gassed up than the numbers support because okay well well we I mean the numbers who's like better you said the numbers with Dallas Dallas you said they they're, they're scoring is like what point zero nine it's like, yeah 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 point three this way Dallas scores 31.0 Three points a game. San Francisco is like 30.8. So it's like, how is it that a team that compares on all these different categories to Dallas comparatively are the same? How so, is it to that San Francisco is the most complete team, considering that the team that they're playing, their numbers match up almost identically across the board? And would no, you say, the most so would you team? say, would, would, so would you say that Philly
1: is a more complete team than
0: San Francisco? I would say I like I like Philly's makeup. I think they they I think Philly's I think they more they're more complementary. I think Philly's offense defense those teams they play well together. I just don't understand this narrative that San Francisco is so much more gelled and elite than the other 31 teams. Okay it's like they're the top they're a top team i'll give you that they're a top team but they are going into the second week of the playoffs with a rookie quarterback who was the last pick in the draft i'm not saying the draft matters but he's a rookie quarterback who's played with nothing but leads he's played against duds like give me a tough team that he played against i can't didn't have one so it's like oh it is a complete team there they were playing for the last six weeks, seven weeks, because <laughs> they were supposed to beat, that they would have beat with any quarterback back there because they played mm-hmm. the Raiders, complete disarray all the time. They played the Bucks. They've been falling apart all year. They played the Rams. <laughs> I didn't got to say nothing about that. I mean, it's, I understand that he's winning, he's performing well, and it's everyone needs a feel-good story. I don't need feel a feel good story. I need the facts. And the okay. facts are, Dallas has had a season that people have criticized every single week. Dax turning the ball over too much. In those games, it was five and two. Even with the turnover. So if you can turn the ball over one, two times, it still be five and two. And the one against Jacksonville, it hit the guy in his chest.
1: Well, like I said, I think I think Dallas is a victim of their past. Like you know, like we're waiting a lot of people are waiting for the collapse. We feel that it's going to come at some point, so I think that just goes against them until they do it, people aren't going to believe that they can.
0: because I think people I think people are are setting it up to where Rock Purdy is supposed to lose at some point,
2: mm-hmm.
0: because he's a rookie, right, but if he doesn't lose and you sing his praises every single week. From the time that he got his first victory until they, I think San Francisco can win the Super Bowl. No, at no point in any time in my adult life that I've watched football has a team lost two quarterbacks, gone through a third rookie quarterback in November, December time frame. And people are saying that I think they can win the Super Bowl. When the other conference has quote unquote the better quarterbacks. The other conference has Burrow, Herbert, Mahomes, Allen, like like I said, this is before the playoffs started. Um so people saying that they could win it all with the rookie quarterback in San Francisco when the other conference, who they would have to meet in the Super Bowl, has better quarterbacks. It just to me, it just it just feels like this like this bandwagon people want to say see they want to put their old they you know you know when someone has a clip like they have a take Yeah. And they play it they play it in black and white like it's yeah. real like yeah yeah they'll calm down well well,
1: <laughs> well for the record i got philly beating san francisco next week but you know like you know speaking of complimentary are we complimenting justin fields or are we trading justin fields
0: man Chicago, if you have a poker player in your building or mathematician or somebody that's kind of ballsy, sit them in a room and figure out who can we fleece the most picks out of for this number one spot and still get one of the top defensive players in the draft. Because that's what you that's you, you need a trench. You need a different maker at the line of scrimmage. You're gonna wide receiver because you're gonna you're gonna mention the cap space 'cause that that's your area of expertise. I'm just looking at the basic I'm a trench guy. Like I like I like teams that try to win from the trenches. Right. A gritty trench team. They always have been monsters of the midway. There's no offensive nicknames for Chicago. There's not like if you met someone from Chicago and they were too fancy. You were like, are you really from Chicago? Everybody I know from Chicago is gritty. Everybody I know from Chicago is like that, that tough, like that tough mind. I granted football teams don't have to take on the personality of the city, but the Bears have done that, and they've done it for decades. So why would you get ridiculous and try to trade away Justin Fields when he just ran for over 1,100 yards with no receiver threat? on the team, and you have this cap space, like I said, you'll get into it. And you have wide receivers that are going to be available. You have blueprints that you can look at around the league. Like, you have a quarterback you're not paying much money to. There's blueprints that you can follow to make it work. I watched their games, and I don't think it was Justin Fields' fault. I think it was coaching, because I watched him load up his hips like he was going to throw the ball and not throw it. Someone has to tell him, listen, man, you're going to keep getting hit if you don't let that ball go. So you either got to give him a different read, a quicker read, or something, or somebody that can get open. you got to get guys in the right position. Because right now, they they have guys who are ones and twos, I mean, threes and twos, trying to line up as your number one wide receiver. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't reach for a wide receiver. Uh-oh. Mahomes is limping. Uh oh. So
1: so, what do you think about the Colts sitting at number four? Ooh ooh ooh. Trying to potentially move up to get that first pick because I think it's safe to say that unless the Bears trade fields, they're not going to take another quarterback. So, what about Indy at four? You think they trade up to try to get somebody, or because they're afraid the Texans are going to get the quarterback they want?
2: Um. I think if i'm indie oh, I don't like this up oh,
0: Henny's warming up oh no yeah it 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 didn't it didn't look good, um not crazy but yeah it didn't, it didn't. yeah, I don't like this
2: uh so if i'm indie mhm. I'm, I'm sitting still because
0: okay. Chicago, in theory, shouldn't take a quarterback. Mm-hmm. If Houston takes one, everyone has Bryce Young as the guy. Why is he out there? Yo, he is clearly limping. All right. Well, obviously <laughs> the running play.
1: So I got the Cardinals. Um, you know, the Cardinals okay. are number three. <laughs> Game, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Cardinals are number three, so you assume Kyler Murray is anywhere, right? Then you got Indy at four, like I mentioned. So, you then can
0: you take get a right there and keep your draft capital.
1: Well, now it gets interesting, you know, because number five are the Sea Chickens, so Geno Smith they want Geno Smith back, but Geno Smith can't be the future
0: answer, right? You think Arizona's gonna trade within their division to move to allow Seattle to No move? no
1: no 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 I'm not asking for trade. I mean I'm I'm talking about trading with the Bears, like trying yeah. to make a move to trade up for the Bears.
2: But if you're Seattle
1: Because Indy's because Indy's in front of you. So 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 if you don't want to get stuck with Will Levis or if you want Stroud because somebody else took Young already,
0: what what mm-hmm. do you do? Then you're gonna have to take some of that draft capital you got from Denver and give it to Arizona. You you just you just gotta make that pot sweet because it's in division.
1: Okay, well what you, about okay? So what about number six? What about the Lions because they do have Jared Goff? They're
0: not getting but a quarterback. They they have the, put it yeah, they're, they're not getting a quarterback. They believe in Jared Goff. I think they'll get. They'll probably get a defensive. Like maybe another defensive player that way they can keep their points per game down. But I can't imagine them jumping. I I don't think these quarterbacks. Oh yeah, Mahomes limping off the field. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Well, the quarter's ending, so he's he's limping. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see.
1: So so what about the Raiders at seven? Because Cars lead They obviously.
0: are likely to the gamble. They are likely to go from seven to three.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think if Seattle wants a quarterback, they got to make sure that that team down in Nevada doesn't have their right 'cause Because I think CJ Stroud is there at three. Mm hmm. What about uh, Bryce Young? Maybe I don't like I think after the first two guys, after Bryce Young and CD Shroud, I can't like I know they got this guy. Well, but he had like 19 touchdowns.
2: I'm I'm
1: not a Will Levis guy. A lot of people compare him to Josh Allen. I compare him to college Josh Allen, maybe not NFL Josh Allen.
0: Yeah, so if you got a guy, if you got to compare, like then. Try to get him third round, or like it's it's okay with the quarterback not going in the first round if he's not a first round talent, because all if, of oh, if you miss on this quarterback, you're not missing. If you don't take a quarterback in the first round because you think it's too early, I don't know what the history is, but I don't I don't see too many quarterbacks that went third, fourth, fifth, sixth round that really changed the franchise every year. You got Russell Wilson. He went late third, I believe, like 80-something pick, yeah. 80, something like that. Obviously, you have the outlier, Tom Brady. Then you have, I think, Joe Montana went in the third round, but this is before people were inundated with quarterbacks. So, in recent history, I don't think anyone's passed on a quarterback that Turned out to be great, other than Patrick Mahomes, but he still went like 12th. All right, so X went ahead of him. So it's like if if you have a quarterback that's falling to you seven, eight, nine, ten, you don't need one. You don't need one. Detroit, Chicago, you don't need one at one. Uh, Maybe Vegas, you think you need one. You might be able to get a free agent quarterback. You might get a Jimmy G. You might be able to get Tom Brady or something like that. All right, mm-hmm. so let me yeah. let me give you
1: let me give you a quick rapid fire just because of time. I'm gonna give you a quick rapid fire. All right. So what what about your team at eight? We believe it in Desmond Ritter.
0: You gotta believe in for 17 more games, minimum. Carol Carolina. Carolina has like 11 dudes in their QB room.
1: <laughs> That'll mean they gotta stay. And last one I'll give you: if you're Tennessee, um, not that you're giving up on Malik Willis, but do you give think about
2: it? Ready.
0: Okay. But again already. Vrabel didn't want him. You could tell Vrabel didn't want him, but the way he yeah. talked It's RG3 all over again. The way Vrabel the talked degree. about him in the preseason when he was pulling him out of games for running, he was like, uh, I want him to throw the ball. And it was like, he's a rookie. You want him to make you want him to learn. You don't want to be like, oh, I want him to throw the ball. Like basically saying, I don't want you to be a running quarterback. And then he didn't play him in place of Josh Dobbs unless they plan on getting rid of Tannehill, and they didn't want to get I think that's the middle was hurt. But you're trying to make the playoffs, maybe you're like, nah, we're not good enough for the playoffs. I just don't understand. Like,
1: I don't know. I mean, I don't think Mike Vrabel is in any in any imminent danger of being fired. So I think you can take He's a year. Fired.
0: But they don't. Get I think the Tennessee Titans are probably be one of these teams that goes after one of these veteran quarterbacks.
2: All uh, right,
1: so I, so I got Justin Fields um forty one touchdowns, thirty-two interceptions. I don't really care about quarterback wins, but I know everybody else does, so his record is six and twenty-one. But I don't care about that because it's a team game allegedly. Uh this is the Bears' first time. Hold on, I got a, to throw for a second. This is the first time that the Bears have had the number one overall pick since nineteen forty seven. And a lot of teams like to believe that they're one player away, but the Bears are probably seven or eight players away. Um, The GM isn't doing his job if he doesn't listen to trade offers. I wouldn't trade them, but you got to listen. What is interesting to me is Kevin Warren coming in as the new team president. And those of you not familiar with Kevin Warren, he was most recently the Big Ten commissioner, you know, the guy that brought UCLA and USC over. Uh, the Bears do have $92 million in cap space, which is $36 million more than the number two team, which is his Atlanta Falcons. So $92 million, don't trade Justin Fields. Just spend some of that money. For example, you know, wide receivers are out there in the free agency, and I'm not saying that these people are superstars. But right now, all you got is Chase Claypool and Mooney. I like Mooney. You know, I like Cole Komet. But Mooney ain't a number one. So you got Juju Smith-Schuster out there. You have Darius Slayton, and you have his twin, Lazard, from Green Bay. You have DJ Shark out there, and you have Mr. Trackstar himself, McCole Hartman, at running back. You have Saquon Barkley. I don't know if he's going to come to Chicago. I don't know if he would want to come to Chicago. But throw the damn bag at him and see if he'll come to Chicago. You got Josh Jacobs out there, your rushing champion for this season. And... The Raiders are going to be bringing a new quarterback. Derek Carr ain't there. Maybe if you throw a boatload of money at him, he's out there. You I, got like Tony.
0: The Jacob, I like the Jacob suggestion.
1: Yeah, you got Tony Pollard out there. You know, you got Miles Sanders. I don't think Tony Pollard is a Bears running back, per se, you know, for their style that you talked about. But I'm just saying, he's out there. Miles Sanders is out there. This is the one I'm interested in because the Bears never do this. Go get Kareem Hunt. You know, Jamal Williams from Detroit is out there. And then finally, Deontay oh, Freeman.
0: What's that? They love him in Detroit. They're not getting rid of him. He's a fan favorite.
1: They don't got to get rid he, of him. The Bears just have to come through with the Brinks truck.
0: That's all. That's the thing. Running backs don't command the money. So you're not. You're going to offer what? $8 million a year for a good running back now in free agency. They're not giving them any money. Three years, twenty-six million dollars, maybe if they're lucky, because the way people try to devalue the running back position, but yet always talk about how rushing the ball for over a hundred yards a game gets you wins, but they don't want to pay the people who do it. It's weird, and I get it. right. So, um, but so, for, so as far as potential suitors, the Bears, the Bears just they they have to they have to do look at what they've done the last five or six years in free agency. And say, none of that worked. Mm-hmm. And when I paid for Nick Foles, and when I got it, like, none of that worked. Get some, right. play- Get some playmakers on the field. You have a quarterback that's confident. Get some playmakers. You got the trade with Baltimore. Where you, you got some picks for Roquan Smith. Get some playmakers, you need that. You, that's how you build your team because it doesn't happen boom overnight. Like, you don't just get Tom Brady with those players in the Tampa Bay and then boom, Super Bowl. They drafted very well every year. And then James Quinston threw 30 picks. They got rid of him and they brought in, boom, the quarterback. So it was plug and play. You have teams like Indy. Indy draft well defense for years. And they try to do the same thing. It's like, no, they didn't draft a quarterback well. you got to be able to do that. So I think Chicago keeps going for free agents, but they don't go for wide receivers because they don't have the quarterback. So wide receivers don't come. Right now, you're hot. Justin Field is hot. He's entertaining. You can get players around him. He went to Ohio State. So maybe you look around and See if you could work some of those kind of connections. Just that you could you could you could show wide receivers that we have a big arm quarterback here who will get you the ball if you come to Chicago. It's the opposite of what you have in Baltimore, where it's difficult because what you have on film is a team that doesn't throw the ball to wide receivers and a quarterback that doesn't seem to get the ball deep. Whereas Justin Fields, he's trying. He's like, he wants to throw the ball, just the oh way yeah, he, he, de- he
1: definitely overthrows wide open receivers. He definitely does that. He, if he, does, nothing,
0: he, he wants, does nothing. else. He wants to let it fly. Mm-hmm. It just so happens that he just the you can be the missing piece. Like if you're selling your team to you, you know you're selling the Bears to a guy like T. Higgins. If you're selling them the slate, like listen, you can be the missing piece.
1: Mm-hmm. All right, so I got a question for you. When I wake up on a random August morning, excited for preseason football, is Sean Payton the coach of the Broncos?
0: $25 million, I go help him, coach. Yeah,
1: because you know, I, I heard something that I didn't like. I heard, like, Russell Wilson was, like, contacting him and everything and talking to him, and, you know, like, I I just don't know how I feel about that. I mean, if he is going to be the coach, that's one thing, but – Nothing official has come out yet. Russell, get off the phone. Spend some time with your wife for a few days. You know, if if Sean Payton is the coach, you can talk to him all you
0: want. I don't think it's a good move. I personally don't think – I don't understand the – I understand that he's available as a head coach and he has, you know, some cachet. But I don't understand him being more valued – monetarily than any other coach that's currently in the league his record, his record and Mike McCarthy's record are very similar mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: he had Drew Brees mm-hmm. in a, essentially the prime of his career because he had a very long prime they went 7-9 three years in a row in a very uh, less than difficult division
2: yeah I think they had
1: a five 11, five and 11 in there too
0: mixing a 5-11 at some point Mm-hmm. Like I said, teams have up and down years. I get that. Yeah, have Bounty Gate. I'm not saying you don't, you can't get a second chance, but all of these things fall on the head coach. So none of that was, like, really rectified because it wasn't as if he got all of this stuff, the Bounty Gate, the 5-11 and the 79 seasons, and then he won the Super Bowl to mm-hmm. show this is trajectory. He won the Super Bowl rather early, and then everything else is essentially chaos.
1: Honestly, Honestly, I probably just would have hired Harbaugh. I mean, he has a proven track record. You know, he doesn't have the Super Bowl ring, but, you know, he has the proven track record. I think he's just he's proven to be just as good with quarterbacks as Sean Payton, being that Sean Payton had the same quarterback. But I can, you know, go to Kaepernick, you know, I can go to Stanford. And I can look at Michigan right now to tell you that Harbaugh. So so, so if I was the Colts, I would be talking about Harbaugh too. But as it is, out of the people that I've seen that have interviewed with the Colts, I really like Mike Kafka, you know, offensive coordinator for the Giants. You know, um, he started out as
0: a G.A. Huh? Why? What did he do as an offensive coordinator for the Giants that you think would make him a good head coach? You we talked about James Jones. You know what he did? <laughs> Literally, like that. I, think, I just, I just
1: think he's a good coach. A, you know, he came, he came up in the Kansas City system. You know, um, spent some time. You know, with them. He's, you know, he has seven years of offensive coordinator experience. I just think that he has a weak quarterback that he was able to find a way. That team had no business making the playoffs. You know, I put it like that. And it's easy to give Dable the credit because he's the head coach, obviously, but they got a, they got coordinators as well.
2: Yeah, yeah they got coordinators I mean,
0: you got the well. coaches from somewhere. Um, so if he's one of the more tenured offensive coordinators, six, seven, eight years, all right, I, I think that's a viable viable candidate. My thing is like I just don't understand the how the coach, for instance, Brandon they got the job in L.A. because he was the defensive coordinator of the Rams. Of the Rams.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But the Rams had, like, top defensive players. So are you really the coordinator? Or are you just calling plays for outstanding? Mm-hmm. And I yeah, think and- that's, the, that's the piece that always... Always like you know baffles me. He's like, okay, are you, are you the reason that the defense only allows 17 points a game, or is it the fact that Von Miller, not, not he wasn't there, but like you know guys like Von Miller, Aaron Donald, Frank Clark, Jalen Ramsey, yeah, all these guys, are these guys making plays in San Francisco. You have Fred Warner and Greenlaw. These guys making plays, and you are just calling them or did you make them better? Did you teach them different techniques? Did you get did you did his sack title sack total go from eight to twelve under you? Was his interceptions three to six? You know, like that part. The Nathaniel Hackett he was the offensive coordinator in Green Bay. On the floor designs a game plan, head close, calls all plays, Aaron Rodgers throws the ball. What is Hackett doing?
1: I don't know, but the word on the street is the Jets really like him, so he may end up as the OC there. And, you know, I don't know, but if you're Carolina, you got to hire Steve Wilkes, right?
0: No. No. The players have And this is why. This is why you're in a losing situation. All right. You are you're an owner,
2: bought
0: mm-hmm. the team, you're. Money guy, like I think he has money through communications, some some kind of computer, Silicon Valley kind of guy, money that way. So, you got his money, a lot of it. You hire Steve Wilkes. Then w- what do you do in the building? Like, you, you didn't change anything about the guy you fired before. You just hired another dude that worked there. Say he doesn't build a good enough staff. Or you don't give them the leverage to build a good enough staff. And you, you fire them in a year. Cause it's not like they have the quarterback room is overloaded and there's no one that's really viable. So they're gonna have a, another average year at best. Sam Darner's not gonna make this huge jump if he started. Them. You're gonna have to do something. So like Or maybe maybe they reach for Levis at number nine. So you're in a rebuild you got to just, you got to rebuild because what what you're doing is like you're just essentially putting the same pieces back in place because is he going to, is Steve Woops, if you hire him, is he going to fire all the guys that were on the staff with him and Matt? That's a good question. He's probably going to keep most of them because it's like, dog, you got hired on. We were together. Matt Rule gets fired. They hire you. Now you firing me? (laughs) and you got now that same guy has to go hire new people people Mm -hmm. know like oh wait a minute you y'all were all on the same staff together they pick you and then you fire all these other guys and you want me to come work for you right no one and then you have to know the history of like some black coaches don't he's already he had one shot he got fired after one year Mm -hmm. this matt rule got a couple of years but david timber fired him you could tell he's, he's like I need to get on the ball. So he, he has to go outside. He has to get somebody else. And he has to. Steve Wilkes can go interview somewhere else.
2: <laughs>
0: but I wouldn't,
1: if I'm Steve, I wouldn't want to get hired on there. And, and oh, by the way, I don't want to talk about these quarterbacks without mentioning it, and that somebody will probably reach leap and take a huge uh, gamble on Anthony Richardson from Florida. Um, so, with that being said, we got the Texans, you know, um, so we know their history with black quarterbacks. I'm sorry, black coaches. We know their history there in the last couple of years. But I really like D'Amico Ryans there just because, you know, he was he he did play there, you know, team captain and everything like that. He has the history, so I'm sure that he cares about the franchise. Um, I've been hearing Jonathan Gannon, the defensive coordinator from the Eagles, is probably the lead candidate right now.
0: I think defensively they were they were a good team. I Remember they they pushed Dallas to the brink.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Nico Ryan's I like that for all the reasons you said. You know played there. You know was a player loves probably loves the city, loved the team, big part of the organization. I don't know. I don't know if the black coach aspect of it factors as much to what Houston's talking about. I think Houston just made bad decisions hiring the two guys because, like, hiring Cully made no sense. It just didn't make any sense, and I don't know why they just, like, there was better candidates out there that were younger, that were black, white, I mean, McDaniels out there, It's like, there was plenty of other candidates out there, like, why would you hire a guy that seemingly didn't that didn't seem to have the resume to get hired on mm-hmm. like before because he was a wide receivers coach in kansas city the year that the wide receiver card touchdown where was he at in between that time that's a good question
1: he i mean he was sick and, and and forget no, the six, fact that he yeah. was about 64 years old yeah like 60 62 63
2: and, years. i mean
0: he these no spring chicken either yeah, so, like, I think that was, that was my thing, is, like, you hired, you hired people who, I don't know if they have the time and energy
2: mm-hmm. to
0: turn your franchise around two years in a row. So, you got to go out there and get a young guy and, you know, give him three four years let him cook, but. That's, that's, that's the piece there with Houston. Like there, I don't know if it's a history of black coach. I just think that the last two years just didn't make any sense.
1: All right. So finally the Cardinals, and I know he's not going to leave. I know exactly what you're going to say, but I'm just going to throw it out there anyway. You know, if I were the Cardinals, I would take a serious look at B enemy, you know, but he ain't leaving that because, you know, maybe he's coaching waiting or something that we don't know about it. Or like, maybe he has some kind of assurances that he's going to be uh, taking care of financially or whatever the case may be to stay there if he's calling the plays, of course. I would you know, be. you know, um, and then, um, but um, as a side note, and no, this is not a 2 5 is trying to hire all the black coaches, but I like Brian Flores there as well, you know, because I think Kyler Murray needs a disciplinarian that'll put his foot in his ass. And, you know, tell him to get off the call of duty, tell him to study or whatever the case may be. Somebody that on game day commands respect, you know, and I think Flores at least does that.
0: Yeah, I saw something in the group that he was going to interview for defensive coordinator. For Minnesota. Minnesota. Mm -hmm. I like the the adult in the room for Kyler Murray. The problem is he tore his ACL so late. You don't know what his recovery is going to be. You don't know. If he doesn't like the hire, is his oh we got hit, he got rocked. Is his knee not gonna heal? mm mm-hmm. Does he does he sit out all next year? And do you play a whole year with a backup and get fired?
1: And without DeAndre Hopkins.
0: Cause they're gonna trade him. Mm-hmm. So do you go in there with a cupboard half full trying to make a whole meal and then they fire you and they hire the next hot shot offensive coordinator. Kyler Murray comes back, they get, you know, this kid's guy more from Kansas City starts playing well. They trade for him, up now another air Coriel all over again in um yeah. in Arizona. And yeah. you again so I wouldn't go anywhere where the cupboard is bare unless there's draft picks. And I'm in yeah. position to make a good pick. So, Houston, they've had a rocky history, but you got the number two overall pick with expectations. And, and don't forget, quarterback.
1: And don't forget, Houston has number 12 as well.
0: And they got 12. So, you got two and 12. You have two back to back years of fired coaches. So, that's at least. Cully's probably getting paid for last season, this past season, next year, and maybe one more year, unless they give him like a flat out buyout. Then you have Lovey Smith, if he got a three year deal, so he got paid for one year, he can get paid for two more. If I go in there and I'm coaching this next season, I imagine that they wouldn't want to fire another coach and be paying three guys to do one, get four guys, essentially, because you got to hire another guy to pay four guys to be doing one guy's job. Yeah,
1: I don't think they would, but for some reason, Auburn likes to
0: do that. Auburn goes to coaches like... It's <laughs> like, you go in the meeting wrong, and they're like, man, you're fired.
2: I'm like, what?
0: We, yeah. we, that that color looks too close to Alabama. Like, yeah.
2: Like, it's a hoodie. This is
0: working yeah. out. What? Yeah. Nah. So, so
1: as we wrap this up today, we want to know what Mr.
0: Rutley has on his chest. What I got on my chest, what I got on my chest, what I got on my I got I got a, uh, I got clickbait. If people don't know, it's a, it's a term that the these millennials use where the the headline of the article or the thumbnail of the article implies something in the fairy or some something ridiculous to make you click on it. Normally it's a... Uh, it's based around trying to get some kind of outrage. I want you to be outraged by someone. Because that's the new thing. They want you to be out, everyone to be outraged. I don't want to have any, you know, outlines of how we're going to solve any of these problems. But we had two incidents. Well, one incident with uh, Shannon Sharp and T. Morant at the game. The Lakers-Grizzlies game last night. A little scuffle broke out. If anybody's ever been in a nightclub with testosterone built up. Everyone gets in a little circle. Everyone's pushing and grabbing. Some people trying to break it up. Some people trying to get through. No one's really trying to fight. It's not really a thing. People think people know how to fight. Until you see them throwing a punch, and you realize, oh, you, you didn't learn how to fight growing up. So people like to posture, you know, it's called a peacocking. So they had this little scuffle sometime early in the game. But towards the end of the game, Shannon Sharp, Team rant, no security around, no personnel from either team, stand on the sideline shaking hands and obviously squashed it you just testosterone is high you know adrenaline's going things of that nature so they've obviously squashed that situation that happened before the game ended but if you look up any article now it only shows the original scuffle doesn't show the handshake if you look at it right now it'd be just a original scuffle and all of this and just the 20 second clips of that and 10 second clips of that. And some of them have sound, some of them don't. So as I'm scrolling through that, I see another article. Uh, DeJounte Murray's recent interview clip proves that Spurs dodged a bullet. I'm like, what did he say? Click on it. All the Smoke podcasts with uh, Matt Barnes, Stephen Jackson. And to paraphrase, all he said was that in San Antonio, I felt like they didn't want me there. They didn't want me to be at my best. I was there for six years. And then even Steven Jackson was like, I didn't realize you were there that long. He's like, I just felt like they were, like I said, I'm paraphrasing, like they were holding me back because they didn't want me to, to outshine the system. They wanted the system to be this. So that's all he said. And he plays for a different team now. So he's allowed to say that. It's not like he's talking about his current team currently paying him, he was like, hey, uh, Patrick Mahomes wants to go in the game. They're like, no, Patrick, he's upset. But so all he said was like, listen, I felt like I was on the team that didn't want me. But the headliner make it seem like he was saying stuff that wasn't true. He just said that I felt like they didn't want me. That was my feeling. And ultimately, it turned out because they traded him. So it's like not like he said something that was untrue. It's not like they paid him after he felt he felt that way and they paid him. He's like, they don't want me. He's on another team. They trade him to another team. So that's what I got to get off my chest, the clickbait, especially when it comes to these, especially when it comes to the black athlete, the social media. It just seems like they want to showcase like some kind of Mandingo fighting personality trait. It's Like, no, sometimes people need to hear the truth even if it seems unpleasant. In his and his truth wasn't unpleasant. It simply was I feel like this team didn't want me and I think they put actions in place that supported that feeling. So that's what I,
1: I, I can dig it. I can dig it. So um originally you know I always do this. I don't know why I do this, but I always do this. So, so originally I wanted to talk about Gronk and Aaron Rodgers. I wanted to talk about Listen to the whole statement because Gronk went on and on or people have been going on and on about Aaron Rodgers is selfish and he all he thinks about is the MVP. When in the very next sentence, he said, you don't go out on the field unless you feel like you can win it all. So he filled your requirement to make a championship statement and you still rejected it. It kind of reminds me of what happened with Skip Bayless a couple of weeks ago when he made the comment during the Demar Hamlin situation. I mean, you could chalk it up to bad timing, but, you know, a lot of people, because of who he is—I'm sorry, Rayjean—a lot of people, because of who he is, took the opportunity to crap all over him because he was trying to say that the game was irrelevant at the point of his tweet, while ignoring the first two tweets that were asking for prayers for DeMar Hamlin. And I'm no Skip Bayless fan by any means, but you just got to tell the truth and be genuine. But where I am going to go today is Tony Dungy, because I believe in the art of disagreement. We are allowed to disagree. Life would not be fun if we all thought the exact same way. He has his views on the LGBT community. He has his views on religion, and he considers himself to be a man of God. From everything that I've ever read about Tony Dungy or heard about Tony Dungy, from whoever was speaking on him at that time, I heard nothing more than he's a man of character, he's a leader, he's inspirational, and he's just one of those people that you want to have in your corner. Now, granted, there's people that I support that I don't agree with everything, every single word that comes out of their mouth. So, yeah, he went a little far talking about litter boxes and all this kind of stuff like that. Like he He was off in some far right-wing world or whatever the case may be. But you know what? Last time I checked, as a vet and as a vet america is a country where you're allowed to be different you're allowed to have freedoms to say the things that you need to say now that doesn't mean that you're free from consequences that doesn't mean that you're free from somebody else having an opinion about whatever it was you said but what that means to me is that you people out there asking for mbc to remove tony dungy and take him off the tv you're missing the boat, and you're not being American. Your view is not the only view that matters. Just because someone says something that you disagree with does not make them evil. If you want Tony Dungy off of TV, play the long game and just don't watch no more. But guess what? You can't live without your football. You know? <laughs> Why don't you just turn the channel while he's on there? They do ratings by segment. They do ratings by sections blocks and all that kind of stuff like that so if you want to get tony dungy off tv stop watching the pregame show you know whatever the case may stop watching the halftime show just turn the channel but to simply want him removed because he doesn't share a view that you share is no different than what you're accusing of the people on the other side of you doing you want to call them fascist racist all these things like that what makes you any better That's what I got to get off my chest because I'm tired of hypocrisy. You know, I can disagree with anybody in this world. As long as they're not being disrespectful, racist, any of those things, I can live with that because that's their personality. That's who they are. The moment that they cross those lines is where I got an issue. So Tony Dungy, you know, next time, maybe not talk about the litter boxes, you know, but if you want to be a man of God, Be a man of God and be out there publicly, because there's probably people out there that want to be devout and religious, but they don't feel comfortable in public and you're showing them that it's okay to do that. I'm not particularly religious myself. But I envy. The ability and the want to. To stand on your beliefs.
0: You know, so that's what I wanted to get off my chest. There you have it, folks. We just wrapped up our third episode of sports reports Disorder uh for michael wilson Raphael redley Sign off hope you guys enjoyed you can follow yeah. on twitter what's your twitter handle two bit reports two bit reports and uh, we'll be having a youtube channel up soon we'll have the instagram up and running I want to thank anyone who becomes a fan early on that we're going to continue to do this as long as we can. Uh, as of right now, we're, you know, we worked in the process. You know, Rome wasn't built in the day. So we're putting together brick by brick, piece by piece, and we appreciate yes. who supports us and we'll we'll highlight the support as we as we continue on this process. So hope you guys enjoy your sports for this week and hope you enjoyed this conversation that we had. Um, we tend to do this. Like I said, me and Mike, we do this all the time. I'm thankful that he has taken the time out of his day in his life. He's very busy to sit down with me and, and share some of his wisdoms with me. So I can absorb that because nothing, there's nothing better than a good conversation facts, you know, even if only 10 people watch this, even if only him and I watch this, this is a good conversation that we've recorded. That we kept on docket that, you know, we can enjoy, look back yeah. upon. Maybe when I'm right about Dallas, we'll do like a little clip, <laughs> black and white, and you know. So as we get better at this thing, you'll you guys will understand. You'll see. And I and
1: I will admit that I was wrong. If I was wrong, I don't have those problems, you know. Yeah. And I appreciate your kind words. And I just before we go, you know, I just want to give a shout out to Rob Parker. I want to give a shout out to Josh Pate and Late Kick Live Pate State. I want to give a shout out to Academy Sports. And I want to give a shout out to Red Bull. Love you, America
2: lo peace peace